Welcome one and all to episode 37 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, as always, Noah to George. What's going on, buddy? Not much. I can uh, I can tell there's a little bit of there's a little bit of pep in your voice. There's some there's some spring Ooh. in the air. We've got some news that is, you know, now that we're here, we're gonna talk about it. It's like yeah, we're jokes on you. Uh, jokes on you. It's just coffee. That's the. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just a fresh cup oh, of espresso. My, yeah, my coffee's in the fridge. Shoot, man. go get your coffee, man. I'll no, fill time. It's fine. I'll fill I've got, time. I've got my water bottle. If I drink my coffee now, here's what happens to me: is if I drink coffee, and if it's like the first thing I do during the day, then mm-hmm. like it'll run through my system immediately. It's like oh, I can't yeah. take like seven bathroom breaks during our podcast. Gotcha. You know? I don't think I've ever seen you drink a cup of coffee in my entire life. So you're this is new right. to me. You're probably this right. This is new to me. Are you like a newfound coffee guy now well, that you're a I, big working man in the in the world? You got to take your thermos to work and your little <laughs> lunch pail. You know? I've got like I, I do have a travel mug, but I yeah. we got a coffee maker um, as a wedding gift, and it yes. is it is found its use. I mean it. it Gets run it's a once Keurig, a day, right? It's no, a not a Keurig. It's like a, it's like a good Cuisinart like Ooh. regular pot, but it's like kind of a vintage style, but it's a newer model. Anyways, gotcha. it yeah. gets its use. Get your get your daily cup of Jawa juice in there. Absolutely. Um, you know, got yeah, but that's the that's the pep in my step. Last week I did not have coffee. It was still also like you know coming down off of a cold, but now I'm here and I'm ready to go. I'm Back jazzed. to your regularly scheduled program. We're here. And all it took to get me excited was the the smallest crumb of Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi news, uh, which is what we were going to be talking about today. We have an official, capitalized, and neon lights official, out of all the rumors and all that is settled, we have an official release day and poster for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we've got some rumored casting for the Grand Inquisitor for the Kenobi show. Uh, Grand Inquisitor. Did I say Inquisitor? Uh, in, I think in, you said Quiznos. In, mm, Grand Inquisitor. Mm, mm, I could go for a Quiznos right now. First thing still in the exist? morning. Anyways. I don't know. I, I'm more of a uh, I, I, people people bag on it, but like I, I like Jimmy John's. Jimmy no, John's I'm is a, good. I like Jimmy John's more than Subway or Jersey Mike's. Subway, if I'm in a if I'm in a pinch, I've never had Jersey Mike's, but Subway, if we've got one around me. You know, so sometimes you get a good sandwich in there. Not the meatball sub. You're asking for trouble if you get the you meatball are. sub. You definitely get, are. Get something nice and toasted in there. Maybe a chicken bacon ranch melt or something like that. The, the steak and cheese is, is my go-to steak at Subway. Steak and cheese is also delicious, too. Yeah. Uh, but in, <laughs> in other su- sub news, uh, we've got the Force Unleashed, which is coming to Nintendo Switch. And to cap it all off, we are going to be talking about this week's episode and season finale of The Book of Boba Fett titled In the Name of Honor. As always, you can jump around to any of the time codes in the description if you so choose to. Hop around to any of those topics. And uh, to get us started here with our first topic, Noah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's coming. We've got an official release date last week and the week before that, it feels like. And the weeks before that, we were talking about when is the show coming out? What's the deal with Kenobi? I say in my Jerry Seinfeld voice. Yes. Uh, But we officially got some official news regarding this show, uh, including our very first look in the form of a poster at the Disney Plus Limited original series, which is now coming May 25th, 2022. Uh, This, of course, is coinciding with the May 25th release date, uh, which is the 45th anniversary of A New Hope. Um, The series is, of course, set 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith and follows Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, in his initial days protecting young Luke Skywalker, 
Inquisitors will be involved. We'll be talking about that later. But Noah, we've got our official first look at this series. Not not a sizzle reel like we got on Disney Plus Day, but a first kind of still image and look at Obi-Wan Kenobi. What are your thoughts on the poster and what are your thoughts on the May 25th release date? We were hypothesizing well, yeah. May 4th, but now we got the official May 25th date. Well, I will say for one thing, that does feel better. Um, it feels better knowing that uh, we're going to get Later in May, it gives at least three more weeks uh, for the Bad Batch to have kind of a buffer um, because yeah. we're still expecting that to happen before May. Um, mm -hmm. And so now there's a little bit of wiggle room there. That feels good, first of all. Um, yeah. Second thing that feels good is that poster is absolutely dope. Um, however, great. I will say uh, my first, like when I first saw it, my first thought was like, oh my God, he's holding his lightsaber. That's, that's so sick. Uh, my yeah. second thought was another guy in the desert. You know, we're going to watch another guy in the desert, uh, for six <laughs> months or for six weeks, uh, which oh, is man, just hilarious. I, I wish. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, Freudian slip there. You really, you're thinking about what you really want, I guess. Um, <laughs> But no, there, I mean, it's, it's good news. I think it is funny that it's like a few days after, I mean, it, it was literally just, you know, three days ago that we were talking about, uh, Oh, somebody might've slipped up. And in the yeah. wake of one person screwing up, they were like, all right, yeah. this fine. poor guy, here hopefully you go. He, yeah. Hopefully he wasn't the catalyst for it. Or maybe it was kind of like a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool situation to where he's like, yeah. I'm going to give the people what they want. And, you know, hell or high water, we're going to get a release date for this for this series. But, yeah, what do you think of the, you know, the actual the, the, the release date now? It's not it's not the May 4th. Are you a little were you hoping on the May 4th release date just because of the sentimentality? Or do you kind of like the 45th anniversary of A New Hope? Well, I'm surprised that, I mean, I don't think that anybody else uh, in the world was like, well, I bet it's going to happen May 25th because that's the yeah. 45th anniversary of A New Hope. Nobody was thinking that. Everybody was thinking mm -hmm. May 4th probably, which it yeah. does make me a little bit sad now that there might not be any running Star Wars content on May 4th. You know, that's like mm -hmm. a possibility, which is, you know, whatever. Um, it was fun last year to have the Bad Batch um, drop on May 4th because that's like, yeah, great. Like, let's celebrate, but also jump into a new area of content, new media yeah. and have that. But um, I mean, that's obviously surprisingly close to Star Wars Celebration. So that's a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and we'll hear a lot about Kenobi and maybe let's just say maybe the bad batch might get a little bit less attention at Star Wars celebration. If it's going to be wrapping up pre, uh, May 4th or around May 4th, maybe, maybe May 4th will be the last episode. Who knows? There's, yeah. there's a lot of wiggle room there, which does kind of, I, I would say puts me and probably a lot of other people at ease. Yeah. So we kind of had that official, release date for the bad batch for may 4th like that was news that we had previously talked about um where there was that star wars insider kind of magazine that had come out where we had that official release date there so i honestly don't know what's going on with the bad batch like yeah. in, in regards to the uh the release date of that but to Does be honest anybody? i don't know <laughs> to be honest though i i don't know if really the bad batch is on my mind right now Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't really want this, this, uh, Kenobi series, which is such this, 
you know, Titan of a, of a star Wars kind of pillar right now that I don't want it to cast this huge shadow over the bad batch. I'd like to have that show have its day in the sun. Um, but even in myself who, you know, I'm very excited for the season two of the bad batch. I'm kind of like, Oh yeah, that is coming, you know, cause I'm just so, but also when, Kenobi, we get, yeah. when we get it, when we get news about Kenobi and we get our first look, which is literally just, there he is in the sand. I'm like, oh God. You can you barely know, see him is. and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just like everything I want. Um, yeah, I think this poster is is to me what would get me excited as opposed to something like, oh, it's Obi-Wan's big floating head and we get a bunch of characters and yeah, yeah and the, there's an the Inquisitor. Poster, and, but Obi-Wan, yeah. Yeah, and, and I know something like that is going to happen. I mean, we recently we had something like that with the Book of Boba Fett where it was literally every single character in the show on a poster. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's whatever that is done, I guess, as well as it could be. Uh, but for me, having just... Kenobi in the sand is kind of the promise of this show to me and something that those I'm are, looking forward to. Those are the two main to. characters, yeah. That And if that's the case, I'm fine with that. Like, <laughs> if it's literally just Kenobi like looking at a fire and like thinking of the Clone Wars and he's talking with Owen Lars and that's the entire episode is him just getting drunk by a fire, that's perfect for me. Man, Great. Ugh. 10 out of 10. Favorite <laughs> Star Wars thing of the year right there. You know, I don't need... Uh, we're going to talk about some of these other characters and I obviously am aware that there will be other characters at play and it's not going to just be Obi-Wan just being contemplated for seven episodes you know mm-hmm. or whatever the series ends up being um but just having this first look just be exactly what is you know being sold on the box it's, it's just obi-wan kenobi and it says yeah, as you joke just yeah it's another guy in a desert planet terrific tattooing <laughs> to be more specific yeah. which is what we've gotten a lot of recently um but still having this series just be kind of stripped down and also kind of remind me a little bit of that phantom menace poster that famous teaser poster where it's anakin with his shadow of vader uh, yeah. gives me a little bit of vibes with that um, but I, I made a joke online, I'm sure a lot of other people did, um, that this poster features Darth Vader's two uh, biggest adversaries, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Sand, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, of course, hilarious. And I'm sure they there truly will be, are um, going to be the main characters. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm fine with that. You know, again, I don't need uh, all this, all this pizzazz and all featuring all of these other characters. I know this is a teaser poster and we'll inevitably get one of those floating head posters. But for this to be our kind of first look at the series um i'm really uh excited to see and uh, to see that they're kind of you know this is the selling point of the show it's ewan mcgregor coming back reprising this role that so many fans um, know him and love him as uh and we don't really need any other kind of selling point right now um, as far as the release date is concerned, uh, I'm really thrilled that we're getting one <laughs> that we yeah, have a no, release date. Yeah, that's a big date. step forward. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, with the Bad Batch, it's like, when is this coming out? Is this coming out before the show? My kind of bets are probably not if we haven't really heard anything yet um, officially. Um, but as, as, as far as the May 25th of it all, as opposed to the May 4th, um, we're going to be getting comics. We're going to be getting, you know, uh, probably some sort of merch, t- uh, t-shirts, action figures, something like that. If there's one thing that Star Wars fans will not be starving, uh, or derived of, uh, with this year, uh, is, is, is content. We're getting plenty of stuff this year. So I'm sure there will be some goodies to come out on May 4th. Uh, but that 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 May 25th release day is just one day before the start of Star Wars celebration. 
So, you know, Star Wars Celebration is May 26th through the 29th. So we'll be getting a lot of discussions and, and, and probably interviews with the cast. And, you know, we'll only have one episode under our belt. So Star Wars fans are going to be absolutely, you know, reeling from this episode. If anything, there will probably be like watch parties the night of, you know, mm-hmm. fans are going to be coming in the, the night of the 25th to wake up early on the 26th. And I guarantee they're all going to be getting together, talking and watching uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So. You know, I'm thrilled that this series is going to be bringing people together, Star Wars fans from all different sides of the fandom, all different entry points. And you've got original trilogy fans, you've got prequel trilogy stuff, you've got new fans, all that kind of stuff to say uh, that this poster, which is just featuring a guy walking around, got me really excited. <laughs> it's And that it, that's the thing is it's done its job. It's kind of, uh, it's at least, at the very least, just kind of set people at ease. It has that... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Sand. Oh, no, well, it starts with an Grit. S. I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm totally Sunshine. blanking on the word. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's put people's minds at ease, especially, yeah. I mean, I would Solace? have something like that. Thing? It's going to come to Maybe. me in probably 25 minutes and then I'll just shout <laughs> it gonna out. We're going to be reviewing the book of Boba Fett and you're just going to yell this adjective. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I was going to say like, it's, it's interesting that um with the way that the marketing has been so far let's just say that the way that the marketing Mm -hmm. has been i was i was shocked that we got a poster and a release date uh in in one announcement um Mm -hmm. i would have expected one or the other um but both is great i'm not complaining yeah any um i got it i got it oh he's got it he's ready satiate the word satiate. is satiate. Mm. Um, Very nice. Because that, that's was that how your I, word of the day? Is that you the, tore from the calendar? And you're like, yes. all right, I got to fit this into the pod somewhere. That is a 10-point <laughs> word. That's a 10-point word. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So people were kind of zooming in here. I tried to find the highest res image of the poster that I could. Uh, people are zooming in on that lightsaber that he's got there. Uh, did you really uh, zoom in and get any kind of details here or were you just kind of looked at it and you're like, yep, there he is. There's Obi-Wan. He's got a beard and long hair. That's kind of what I was, <laughs> I was hoping for, or did, did I, uh, you really I, just kind of dig in in there? I zoomed in as much as I could on a phone, um, yeah. which is, you know, whatever. Um, I will sure. say though, with the attitude, I, I hate to be the one that's like, oh man, look at this picture of a, a silhouetted guy standing there. There's so much to dive into. Um, but it does kind of seem like his attitude is, you know, there's, he's not just walking around. It's not like he's coming back from filling up his, you know, his water buckets or, you yeah, know, yeah. he took, he took a stroll. Like it, it feels very dynamic. It feels active. There's, you know, there's some attitude in, in his posture and in his walk. And yeah. that, you know, that's just, it feels more than just like, there he is just standing there. You know, it's a little bit more than yeah. that. So I think that there's, you know, stuff to be kind of speculated there and just, you know, little bits to eat up, you know? Yeah. I like to think that this is, this is like Obi-Wan's first, you know, day in Tatooine and he's trying to get a bearing of things. And he's like, okay, where did I, where did I park my speeder? Yeah. Okay, so like, oh my I god, came there's in so on, much sand. <laughs> I came in on that way. Okay, well, it had that ridge, so it should be over towards the east a little bit. Yeah, I like to think that Obi Wan is just very bewildered and confused <laughs> and annoyed. Obi Wan does not seem like the the like he's really into this. You know, that was my no, he's look. So classy. You, you, 
yeah, he, I, I think he would like to sit down in a nice building, have a nice drink, and he's just like, God, it's so hot. I got sand everywhere. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, that's something that's interesting, though, is I wonder if we'll kind of see. I mean, I know it's set uh, quite a bit after the events of episode three, but I wonder if we'll see kind of his arrival and um, what happens when he's like, hey, what's going on, Owen? Uh I got this baby for you. And then he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And Owen is like, you know where you're going? And he like turns around and it's all desert. And he's just like, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would love to see something like that to where it's like, you know, when you, when your, your, you know, your parents or your, your, you know, siblings or friends or whatever kind of help you move and then they leave and you've just got boxes (laughs) of in your suitcase full of stuff. And you're just kind of like, all right. Well, and then you're like, I want to see that moment to where Obi-Wan's got his, his box of his knickknacks and his, his goodies and his books. And he's just kind of like trying to find closet space. And, you know, you first get into yeah. a space and you're like, well, everybody right, knows where am that, I putting like, my TV? You know, yeah, everybody knows that the first day that you do that, you don't actually do anything on the first day. You've got it all and you look at it and you're like, this is a, this is another day's project. <laughs> and then you go, yeah, and you, you go find you, a yeah. place to sleep. You just sit down and you have like your your takeout pizza, you know, because mm-hmm. your none of your kitchen stuff is unpacked. I want to see that first day with Kenobi, where the the first day he moves in and he's trying to figure out what posters to put on the wall, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, whether we will get that or not remains to be seen, but something that we know we are getting with the Kenobi series is the appearance of some Inquisitors, uh, and one of the rumored uh, Inquisitors that we will be getting in this series will be the Grand Inquisitor, which of course was in Star Wars Rebels, uh, but might also be in this series here, and we might have casting for that particular role, uh, and, the, and the name uh, that comes up is Rupert Friend. Uh, he, of course, has been in numerous projects such as Agent 47, uh, The Death of Stalin, Pride and Prejudice, and lots, lots more. Uh, Noah, this, of course, is not officially casted here. This is, does not come from StarWars.com or really any of the main publications. I think the the site that kind of ran with it was Giant Freaking Robot, uh, mm-hmm. which has had a history of being right. So uh, I decided to include that here. Um, but I also want to branch it off into a larger discussion. You know, there has been rumors and, you know, one could say confirmation that Inquisitors will be popping up in this series. They appeared in that concept art, that that we go, the, that sizzle reel that we got there. Uh, is the Grand Inquisitor one that you are wanting to see in this series? And how, what do you think about the casting of Rupert Friend as the the Grand Inquisitor, the, the, the Daddy Inquisitor, if you He's, will? He is the big man. I do think that it's... Um... It's pretty bold that, you know, we're, that we're most likely going to see the Grand Inquisitor. Um, Mm -hmm. And we had, me had mentioned um, when you sent me that, that break that, uh, that I went to his IMDb page. um, Yeah. Because I was like, oh, he's in the French Dispatch. What else has he done? And, um, Mm -hmm. and he's slated for, for every episode. uh, Yeah. Like to be in every episode. So that's a huge possibility that we're going to have him as kind of the, the big bad. Um, he definitely is an intimidating presence in Star Wars Rebels. I think that that's, um, that's a good, you know, kind of adversary, especially because when we've gotten Inquisitor stuff, it's like, oh, cool, we're going to get, you know, Inquisitors in uh, in Star Wars Rebels. And then it's like, okay, there's new ones, and that's really interesting. And then we get to Jedi Fallen Order, and it's like, oh, there's even more new ones. Okay, so we'll, you know, add those guys to the list. And um, so it's, it is a weird playing field to be like, oh, who can we add that's, you know, going to give off that, that 
menacing yeah. threat um, that actually is a big deal. Uh, it was really funny, though, because that tweet that you had sent me, um, mm-hmm. I always look at the replies because I want to know, you know, how people yeah. are reacting or if other people are saying like, oh, this, this and that. Um, and the top reply was, man, first of all, I hate Star Wars fans. Uh, if Listen, I love Some everybody. Some Star Wars fans. Yes. Not you, the listener, of course. Not everybody you guys. else. No, but I, not you I, guys. I, not you guys. But you I, get know, what, just, I get what you mean, though. Sometimes you're just kind of like, can you guys just take it? Take a breath yeah, for five so minutes. Many, so the top, the top reply was... Oh, it's it's dumb to include the Grand Inquisitor because we know we already know how his story ends. Yeah, I saw that. And I too. like I saw that, and I was like, <sighs> guys, <laughs> um, who's the mm, okay? How do I yeah. put this lightly? Uh, what is Obi Wan Kenobi uh, doing yeah. in this show? If we already know how his story ends, come on, that is sure. It's yeah. just really uh, it's it's like rude to the writers and the and the screenplay people of this of this show it's like it's demeaning yeah. to the people that are coming up with these storylines it's demeaning to the people that are acting as those characters like sure. ah, it's just so frustrating um also which, it, there was an entire trilogy of movies about someone that you knew eventually what happened to them a couple of people are in that trilogy that you kind of know what eventually happens to them so yeah kind of a, yeah i get what you're saying it's it is kind of an odd point to be like well this we got so what's the point it's like yeah dude star wars has been doing that for like 20 years where have you been <laughs> no that's the thing is it's like you can point to a lot of stuff and and say like well i already know how that's gonna go so me seeing any of this doesn't really matter like if you yeah. were if you were to watch star wars rebels and be like well why would i care about the clone wars because i know that maul is gonna is gonna die at the end you know yeah. like why do i care about rebel or star wars the clone wars like no he does a lot of things in clone wars that have a lot of repercussions and so who sure. knows i mean we'll 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 obviously see a lot of that i'm definitely curious about new inquisitors um that's yeah. that's one of the things that i would i would love to get into as much as i love some of the people we've seen before um i'd love to get into some new characters yeah and we might you might get your wish there because moses ingram who was in the queen's gambit as well as sung kang uh, who is from the fast and furious films are rumored to be also portraying uh, inquisitors in the series uh sung kang is uh maybe portraying a familiar face there uh, but moses ingram we don't really have confirmation on either of them to be fair on who they will be portraying uh but yeah you know i would love to see the grand inquisitor in this series i think he <clears throat> he proposes a unique threat to to um to Obi-Wan here. Um his history uh with with Skywalkers is also will you know eventually will become interesting. Um mm-hmm. we know that he's not going to die in this particular battle because uh, we see that happen in Star Wars Rebels. Spoilers if you haven't seen that show. Um but his past is kind of a former temple guard I think is interesting. The fact that he used to be uh this Jedi and now he is hunting Jedi for for Vader. Um, and you know, that is kind of a perfect spot for them, uh, the inquisitors to fit in this series, not just the grand inquisitor, but inquisitors in general, um, to me is also something that makes sense for Obi-Wan to kind of, if, if, if the inquisitors are on this planet and they discover Luke and that he his he is this, you know, child of importance and that he is force sensitive at minimum, let alone, you know, the son of Darth Vader uh, or Anakin Skywalker, it makes sense that, you know, um, Kenobi would go after them and try to, uh, you know, in the name of protecting Luke. Um, and it also kind of, 
you know, plugs up one of the arguments that Star Wars fans have had um, with Star Wars for a very long time is that like you have this this very important child. Why would you put them on the home planet of the of his father and not change his name at all? Or mm-hmm. this, if if this child uh, being Luke eventually does get kind of found out by the Inquisitors, it's like, yeah, you're right, and this is eventually what happened. The Inquisitors actually found out that you know uh, that this child was you know this this child of importance, and that Obi Wan responds accordingly. And so you know, it, uh, to me, it kind of addresses one of those major complaints that people have. But yeah, seeing uh, the Grand Inquisitor appear in this series, you know, whether or not Rupert Friend will be portraying him at all um it remains to be seen but you know if he is um i think he's a good fit for him uh he's six one which is like a you know the grand inquisitor is not like a small guy um he certainly has the face for it i could imagine mm-hmm. that that kind of makeup there i'm sure i'm sure uh boss logic and others have already kind of worked up their yeah. their concept yeah. art of what he, of what he looks like um, Agent Forty Seven. Uh, not heard amazing things about that movie, but you know it's an it's an action movie. It shows that he's a little uh, uh, more of a physical kind of role. I'm sure there will be plenty of stunt work and CG and all that kind of stuff, but it shows me that he's has more of like an action side of things. Uh, his age would be about forty around the time of filming this. Uh, he is English, so he's got the accent for it. Yeah, better, I, to yeah. me, I think he's as, as good as a pick as any. I saw some people throwing around um, Jason Isaacs, um, and they were a little disappointed that he wouldn't be reprising this role uh, that because he portrayed him uh, in Star Wars Rebels. Is that something that you would like to see, or do you have Jason Isaacs in, role, uh, in mind for potentially another role in live-action Star Wars, or did you really want to see him uh, portray the Grand Inquisitor if, if he does, in fact, appear in this show? Well, we've talked about that a lot, and obviously I know a lot of people are kind of saying, well, Jason Isaacs would be a way better Thrawn. Um, yeah. That's kind of the the agreement on the Twitter verse, I suppose. Um, and I will say like, we are now in an age where I would say having someone like Katie Sackoff portray Bo-Katan, that's, you know, yeah. that's really kind of a blessing. That's an honor for her to be able to come back. It's, and I know she's, you know, grateful to be able to come back to that character. Um, mm-hmm. but it is not, you know, it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility to have her recast as someone else. That's, you know, we're obviously we don't have we don't have uh, Ashley Eckstein uh, playing Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah. Tia Sarkar playing Sabine. We don't have you know th- those those other things. Um, so I think it would be um, it's not a horrible thing to say like well no like that's that's not necessarily a given. I do think that Rupert Friend probably is um, at least look like appearance wise and mm-hmm. performance wise is probably the best pick for grand inquisitor. That's, that's yeah. uh, a little bit of a no brainer on, on my, on my opinion, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's funny because of how much makeup and prosthetics and all these kind of things there are with this. Um, you know, the, the grand inquisitor isn't somebody for me that I, can only see like one person portraying this character for me. I'm like, yeah, I could see a lot of different people, a lot of like relatively tall English men portraying mm-hmm. this, this, this character. Um, Jason Isaacs is nearly 60. So he would be pretty, you know, uh, 
I think he might be a bit old for the 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 uh, Grand Inquisitor here. I could see him portraying Thrawn. We also had talked about uh, Lars Mikkelsen potentially reprising his role. So as far as the live action, uh, you know, uh, angle is is considered here. It's kind of a bit of a touchy subject because it seems very. Um, you know, what might be right for one role is maybe not right for another. And that, you know, yeah, we're going to have Ezra come back, but he's got to be portrayed by somebody else. But Katie Sackhoff can come back and portray uh, Bo-Katan or, you know, uh, Lars Mikkelsen will come back to portray Thrawn, but not the Grand Inquisitor. I understand how it could be kind of a tricky subject for some people. But for me, I'm, I'm honestly, it comes down to casting for me. And if they're able to portray that live action physicality of the person and resemble the person, sure, why not? You know, I could just understand how potentially some voice actors might be a little bit like, wait a minute, why why not me? And Ashley Eckstein is kind of the 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 elephant in the room for that one where a lot of fans were hoping that she would be have the opportunity to portray that character in live action. So I know it is a bit of a touchy subject for some fans, but you know, that's not to say that Rupert Friend is going to do a bad or an awesome job. I'm not terribly familiar with a, a lot of his line of work. Um, but if he does portray the Grand Inquisitor, I'm sure he'll do a uh, he'll do a great job. I'm sure he if he is cast, it was for a reason. Yeah, I have I have absolute faith in kind of the direction of the series, especially as it relates to why <laughs> Inquisitors yeah. are even there at all. I mean, if they're making that yeah. decision, it's got to be an important one. And, you know, I I knowing who is producing the show, uh, you know, and the, the names that are attached, Ewan McGregor yeah. and Deborah Chow, um, especially yeah. like those those people are the kind of people that you would trust to make those decisions. So, hey, mm -hmm. man, do what you're going to do. <laughs> Exactly. It all comes down to execution. Uh, so regardless if the Grand Inquisitor will be even be making an appearance in the show, uh, we know that Inquisitors will be coming in some fashion. Uh, something else that is coming, Noah, Star Wars, The Force Unleashed is coming to Nintendo Switch in April. It's coming uh, this back. Is a, it's coming back hot and heavy. Uh, this news dropped via the Nintendo Direct live stream uh, that Star Wars Ports veteran Asper is handling the re-release of this 2008 game. Uh, they are porting over the Wii version of this game and making it compatible for the Nintendo Switch. And this will be coming in April uh, 20th, 2022. Uh, Lucasfilm tweeted, uh, Lucasfilm Games tweeted out that the uh, little trailer, a little promo for this game saying, unleash the devastating force powers and lightsaber combos with optional motion controls with the Nintendo Wii version of Star Wars of Force Unleashed, which is releasing on Nintendo Switch. Noah, I know you're a big fan of this game, but you do not have a Nintendo Switch. Will you finally be making the commitment to get this game, but also Star Wars Hunters, which will also be coming on Nintendo Switch? Is this it's finally going to break it, you? Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> Star Wars Hunters for me. Uh, that's, that's where I will be pouring my money. I Here's the thing. Um, so... A uh, friend of ours who we've talked about uh, a lot, Bailey, uh, just yep. purchased a Switch officially. Whoa, I didn't know. Um, yeah, he just purchased it barely a week ago. Um, so, and, and and I had said like, hey man, you should buy this game so I can play it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can steal I, it from him. Yeah, I, I just, there's so much holding me back. There's so much holding me back. I know that I'm going to be dropping all of my money on um, pre-ordering uh, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga for oh, yeah. PlayStation 4. That's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. As much as I love The Force Unleashed, um, I have some older game systems, and if I feel that, if I feel that itch, I will go ahead and scratch it 
by booting up my Wii or my PlayStation 2 and just tossing it on. That's totally fine with me. I think it's it's honestly great uh, and surprising that it's that it's coming for for Switch because the Switch is kind of now in this era of making a name for re redoing these old classics, um, which I'm sure is boosting their um, their market audience. That's great, you know. Mm-hmm. And if the if the legends fans of Star Wars are in that market, even better. Um, again, you won't see me buying a Switch. Unfortunately, we've had this conversation so many times. So I am wondering what's going to be the one thing that's. I mean, if they were like, "Hey, we're we're making the Force Unleashed three, and it's only coming to Switch," <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. I'll be like, "Okay, well." Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. I've, I've uh, yeah, we have talked about it before. The one thing that will get me, you know, sign sealed, delivered day of to get a Nintendo Switch would be if they remastered Mario Kart Double Dash. If that happens, oh yeah, it's get out done, of town. Son. That's <laughs> it's done. Like before, you can even finish. I'm, I'm, I'm there buying that sucker so I can whip all my friends. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, the the, the Force Unleashed game is something that I've played recently. Um. I played it on the Xbox 360. I still obviously own that. I didn't just like wing it out the window when I was done with it. Um. So I have that game available. I mean, I don't have my 360 here in California with me. It's still back home in storage. Uh, so if I, you know, if I really wanted to play that game, I could. I know it's also available to play online with like Xbox Game Pass and I'm sure other like systems like PlayStation Plus and things like that. But you know, I have played this game recently, um, and it's still not something that I think will convince me to play Nintendo Switch. Uh, the play uh, on the Nintendo Switch. But with that being said, though, it kind of reminds me of how I originally played this game. So I had originally played The Force Unleashed on my PSP, and it was gifted to me uh, by my aunt, who I had never heard of this game, but I got a PSP. And I'm sure it was one of those situations where, you know, she was like, hey, what do I get Garrett for Christmas? Ask my mom or my dad or something like that. And, there, and she was like, oh, they got a PSP if you want to here's a couple of Star Wars games for it. And I had got that game and I had never really heard of the game before. And I played it and that's, was like my first experience to that game. And I remember really, really loving that. And you loved it. Yes. And And, the rest was history. (laughs) And that specific Christmas, I remember, you know, being at my aunt's house and family is, is all there. And I'm in the corner just like wailing away on stormtroopers. But yeah, we've talked about this game before. Um, For me, it's, it's never been my go-to Star Wars video game. I understand the appeal of this game for sure, that it does deliver on kind of the power fantasy of having the force and how uh, it can seem like a superpower and how it is over the top and ridiculous and a very comic book, nearly anime type mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, so I definitely understand the appeal of that game. And I'm thrilled that Star Wars fans who have a Nintendo Switch who want to revisit this game can uh, and that it can uh, kind of attract new fans and, and, and uh, you know, a new generation who goes to their local game store. I don't know if that's a thing. I might have just dated myself there, uh, but go, go to their local online game store and can see oh there's a new star wars game and can play that and kind of um uncover this entire side of it i'm i'm hoping you know we've talked about star wars fans and our dislike of a certain sector of them i'm hoping that star wars fans don't use this game as ammunition to discount 
current Star Wars canon, you know, mm -hmm. things and that yeah. they're like, oh, well, back when Star Wars was good and back, you know, I, 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 Star Wars fans can have a tendency of using things that they like to, you know, throw at the things that they don't like as proof uh, that the stuff that they don't like is, is bad now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping that Star Wars fans can just enjoy this and be happy that this is coming out and that they have this opportunity to play this game. Uh, and won't use it for, you know, use the power for good, not for not for evil. If we're going to learn anything from this game, it's that you have a choice. That's true. <laughs> not to spoil the end of this game, but you have a choice <laughs> to uh, use your power for good if you'd like to. Um, now, are there any other old Star Wars uh, video games that you played when you were a kid that you'd like to see kind of make a comeback here? Um, I can't. Th I mean, that's the thing is like my my Star Wars games. Uh, catalog was my brother and I were you know fiends on on Star Wars Battlefront 2 the original Star Wars Battlefront 2 yep. um, and I have been getting closer every day uh, just inching closer and closer to re-downloading yeah. Battlefront 2 on my PlayStation because I've got it with me and I'm just like man once I've got like a little bit of time it might happen pretty soon because I will say um, yeah. now that we're talking about video games we haven't mm -hmm. we haven't uh had a chance to talk about it before, but I thought it might be, I well, thought it might I, be, uh, I was going to ask you because recently I know what you're talking about. We talked about that, you know, star killer was making his re reemergence into the star Wars fandom mm -hmm. with galaxy of heroes. And we had talked about that then. And you said that this was going to be maybe the plunge that you needed. It was your Mario Kart double dash <laughs> into the star Wars galaxy of heroes. So you had told me that you'd been playing recently. So I want to know what has your experience been on galaxy of heroes? I'm going to say this right now. Uh, it's not an exciting game. It's almost <laughs> like, <laughs> it's almost, Dang. If, if I was to say to somebody, like if somebody was like, oh, tell me about it. I would almost say like, it's not that fun. You know, it's not that fun. Yeah. Um, regardless of how fun it is, um, my mm. character level is level 47. Um so I'm I'm already good? level forty seven. Yeah, no, that's the thing is it's like okay, it's, it's good? Kind of, I don't know. Um, but if it's like level forty seven out of like a thousand, you know, you got some work well, to I put think in. The, but. I think the cap is eighty five, and they always okay. offer like, oh, you can pay ninety nine dollars to immediately increase your player level to eighty five and unlock all these characters, oh, which my apparently a lot of, of people games. do. But <laughs> you're right, and like this, that's the thing is I'm I'm level forty seven. I've got quite a few heroes under my belt. There is something yeah. about it that appeals to that collection and upgrading nature of the way that some people like games. And I do. Yeah. And uh, something that coincided with this that I thought was really funny is um, a couple of friends of ours have been challenging each other to reduce their phone screen time to one hour a day. Um, okay. our, our, one of our friends, Daniel was like, I'm on my phone way too much. I, I like, I spend an hour on my phone when I wake up and in like a couple hours before I go to bed, it's just way too yeah. much. Uh, mm -hmm. so he and another friend of ours are trying to get their screen time down to one hour a day. And I was prompted to check my screen time. And there's a feature on star Wars galaxy of heroes where you can, uh, simulate battles that you've already played, or you can auto play battles that you haven't yet. You just go into the battle, you press the mm -hmm. auto play button and your characters yeah. will duke it out. And then you'll get the rewards once it's finished doing that. So I will auto play battles and then I'll literally yeah. just set my phone down and go oh. do something else. Like I'll go do the dishes or like, yeah. I'll start killing cooking your screen dinner. time. 
Yeah. I no, and legitimately 21 hours last week was spent on, on Galaxy <laughs> of Heroes. 21 hours of screen time on Galaxy of Heroes last week alone, which is ridiculous. I've been playing Dang. it so much and it's like but I, I will say it is the type of game where you have to farm, you have to grind. And I was like looking up on YouTube. I was like, what are the what are the tips and tricks? What like are there yeah. any workarounds that I can get here? Because I'm like low level characters, whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, there's this insanely popular video that's like, here's the number one guide to you know getting the most out of your characters, completely free to play, no payments mm-hmm. necessary. You don't have to buy any of the additional things. And it's like, so now we're going to lay out before you the seven month plan that you need to finish. Oh and I was like, seven month plan. Man, People are wow. farming this game for weeks at a time where it's like, okay, I'm going to jump on galaxy of heroes today and I'm going to farm this character. And that's going to be my day for the next six months. And like, that's how people want to spend their time. I don't know about that. So I'm kind of, I'm at a point where I hit a wall and I can't really upgrade my characters more, um, without putting in some serious time. So I don't know, I'll probably keep it around and maybe we'll check back in a few weeks once anything interesting happens. But that is, that's my review so far of having played a few weeks of galaxy of heroes. Yeah, you know, that's a game that if you do have to put seven months time, I'm thinking of like, when would I be playing that game? And I think logically it would just be like on the toilet or maybe while I'm cooking. So it's like on in the background or something like that. But I just don't have the I don't have the desire to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, to have that game. There's other Star Wars games I'm grinding on enough. Uh, Battlefront, the two, the act, you know, the, the, the the newer one is, is one that I've been not necessarily grinding on. Uh, There was a time where there was a grind and now it's just smooth sailing because uh, to be honest, a a lot of these fools can't hang. They they just can't hang. So it's a lot of just me kind of dicking around, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will yeah, say that is one thing night. I'm not well, looking forward to is that's one thing I'm not looking forward to is re-downloading uh, Battlefront 2 and getting an invite from you that's like, hey, why don't we just do a quick round of Heroes vs. Villains or why don't we do a quick round of four or uh, what is it, 2v2? And, you know, yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah, sure. And I go in and just get absolutely <laughs> smoked because, you know, yeah. my only main was Lando and I played for like a, a couple months and now I'm out of practice. Lando's fun, man. You get him on a Starkiller base, Galactic Assault, and you get that like second that second level where all the hero all the villains are kind of like funneled down the stairs and you get that that blaster shot off you yeah. get like 10 people in a row it's super fun yeah i do love uh, his abilities I have a, though unhealthy addiction for Star Wars Battlefront 2 and <laughs> it would make say, it worse yeah. if it was on Nintendo Switch and I could take it on the go. That would be you, terrible. You better you better <laughs> shut your mouth before I start getting any funny ideas right after this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, if you want the smoke, you can have it. But yeah, uh, Star Wars video do. games are about to take up my my time. Um you got of course Lego Star Wars coming out, the Skywalker saga soon and I'm I'm saying it right here, I want to 100% that game because oh, absolutely. I was I was recently playing because I still have my I, I still have a GameCube and I have Lego Star Wars, the uh, prequel one and then the original trilogy. I don't have the complete saga because that was mm-hmm. for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 2. But I was recently playing it and I was like, yeah, I'm going to beat the game. And then, you know, so I can have it done before the new one came out. And I was just kind of like because I beat the game when I was a kid, but I, I rebought it and yeah. I got a new GameCube. But 
I was just kind of playing it and I was like, do I really want to replay this game and then and also then do it, it again? More, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm honestly going to, I'm going to hold off on this. So I kind of just, I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, put that in the back seat because I want to be nice and fresh when uh, Star, uh, Skywalker Saga comes out because I am going to put a lot of time into that game and it's going to be fun because uh, Battlefront 2 has taken enough of my Star Wars video game time and I've resisted so hard getting Red Dead Redemption 2 just because it keeps popping up on my TikTok feed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my God, if I get this game, it's done. My productivity is just going to plummet like the you know, housing market yeah. crash of 2008. <laughs> <Just gonna laughs> well, that, that would have been my next purchase. But now that like... Now that Lego Star Wars is going to be available for pre-order, yeah. it's like that Red Dead 2 is on the back burner. I can get yeah. to that whenever. It's, it, it's not even like a financial thing. It's just like if I was to buy this game, it's it's <laughs> no, there's over no time. for me. There's no time. Yeah, I'm, I, I would just be like pillaging and whatever the hell else you do in that game. I've just, again, I just keep seeing stuff on my TikTok and I'm like, yeah, this looks so fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. resist, Garrett, resist. And then you got Knights of the Old Republic coming out and then Star Wars Hunters, of course. Uh, who knows <laughs> yes. if I'll be playing that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Nintendo Switch is something that you and I will be holding off on. Uh, but hopefully one day something else will, will, will come around. There will be a game that comes around that uh, changes our mind, makes us commit. Uh, but in the meantime, Noah, got some Boba Fett to talk about. We've got the season finale of the Book of Boba Fett to discuss here, titled In the Name of Honor. Uh, this entire season we've been talking about episode to episode and it finally comes to an end here, comes to a head, comes mm-hmm. to a culmination. Uh, we, of course, are going to start off with some spoiler-free thoughts and then dive on into our spoiler-filled thoughts. Uh, so, Noah, spoiler-free, what did you think of the season one finale of The Book of Boba Fett? I do definitely think that, um, on the whole, this is uh, this is a landmark for some shows that some some TV shows and series don't fully reach where you have the anticipation for a season finale. Um, mm-hmm. This episode really was a finale. It was the mm-hmm. the culmination um, of of everything, really, uh, the good and the bad and the ugly. Uh, that's true. Funny enough, but uh, no, that that's something that you don't get in TV shows all the time. And and I would say that some of the some of the Marvel series are guilty of it. Um, the Mandalorian is somewhat guilty of it as well. Um, but you've you've kind of got these these shows that are in such an episodic format where the last episode um, doesn't necessarily drop the ball, but it doesn't make those you know those complete mm-hmm. full circle things. And, yeah. uh, this episode really does. I think that on the whole, it is the most airtight and solid, um, full episode because it really is jam packed. I mean, this is, I want to say that this is the longest episode of the series. I think yeah, it, is, it is by a couple yeah. minutes. Um, which is great because it definitely feels, uh, it feels really full. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say that that's one thing that uh, really surprised me. One thing that I that I was enjoying was that it it out of most of the episodes really does make the most of the time that it has, um, mm-hmm. which is good. There's not a second wasted. I think there's a lot uh, to dig apart in a lot of the even the louder, more actiony moments. Um, and on the whole, I would say that if you disregard the fact that um, that 
that certain things in this episode should have had a little bit more momentum building up to it, a little bit more context maybe that was more fresh. Um, disregarding those things, really solid and really airtight. And I'm really happy with the fact that this feels wrapped up in a way that feels like a complete season. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll have a separate discussion about you know the thoughts of the entire season. So I want to kind of stay mm-hmm. away from that because, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to do that with an episode like this is the tendency is to say, well, how does this make you feel about the whole entire show so far? Because it mm-hmm. really does reach back and, um, and pull together everything, but episodically yeah. just solely by itself, this is, this felt satisfying to me. Really? It did. Yeah. You know, with a, with a episode like this, it's hard to kind of look at it in a vacuum, like you said, and not, look at the other episodes and how they kind of build up into this. Um, but I think in a vacuum, this episode has some stuff for me that works some other stuff that I think I wish would have played out a bit differently, but it's also hard not to think of like, did you really not like that thing or did you not like the build up to it a little bit yeah, more and yeah. you wish that there would have been some other things? And I think that the answer is a little bit of both. Um, I think that there is some stuff in this episode that I w- would have liked to have seen play out uh, a, a couple of different ways. Uh, but then there also is a lot of the stuff in this episode, like you said, that does feel like a finale. It feels like going to see the fireworks display and they all just start popping off and it's very action heavy and very loud and it's where the kind of a lot of the budget comes in mm-hmm. so to speak where a lot of the big action sequences are in this episode and it mostly is a lot of the pew 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 kind of stuff um which i don't even say degradingly i think that this is something that if i was a kid watching the show like a you know 11 or 12 or something like that would be losing my mind like you know this away, is yeah. some, this is something that I think Star Wars fans um, can kind of turn their nose up at as just seen a little bit silly or a little bit juvenile. But to me, this is really something that uh, I think George has in mind where you do have the spiritual stuff and you do have some of those deeper themes and idea, which uh, ideas which are in this episode that are those kind of morality tale kind of ideas. But then it's also it's uh, uh, this heightened sci-fi fantasy series where there's blasters and monsters and, you know, all these. And it's also kind of a Western, too. So you get a lot of those kind of uh, details in this series here. But then there were some other things that I wish would have you know, maybe, maybe played out a bit differently. Um, but on the whole, I, you know, I, I enjoyed this episode. It's not something that blew me away. Um, it's, it's odd watching something like, you know, I recently, uh, watched uh, succession and I also recently, uh, I just, just finished, um, season four, part one of Ozark. And I'm, you know, oh, yeah. watching some other television shows as well. And it's just, you know, it's a different flavor. You know, those shows are obviously intended for adults. And so a finale like that is going to have a bit of a different kind of ramifications for it. Where mm-hmm. something like this, which not all Star Wars fans are going to agree with is made for children. This is a show that is maybe not made specifically for children, but is uh, appropriate for children to be watching. Um, and something that George had in mind when he was making Star Wars is that it's for 12 year olds and it's a morality tale. And I think on that level of having kids with their action figures in the sandbox playing and dumping out all their toys, um, I think this episode really does deliver on that. But I think uh, diving a bit deeper in some of the character stuff and something about the, you know, the promise of the show, 
Um, there are some things that I would have preferred play out a bit differently. Um, but on the whole, yeah, this was a fun episode and it was cool to just kind of kick back on a Tuesday night, watch this thing unfold in front of your eyes and just kind of enjoy the thrill and the, the action and, and, and all the kind of stuff. And, and also the idea of seeing star Wars and it's, you're in your living room and you're watching some crazy stuff kind of unfold in front of your eyes. I enjoyed this episode, but it was a complete home run for me. And that's, I think that that's fine, especially because like you said, you have to take into account the things that have led up to this. Um, yeah. and I think that that's one of the things where, you know, I, I like, I think of this a lot where, you know, some people are a little bit reductionist with this and they say, well, the, Bo- the book of Boba Fett wasn't, you know, wasn't doing too well. So they threw in a couple episodes of the Mandalorian, um, as Which funny as that is to look at, completely you know, ridiculous. Yeah, right. As as funny as it is to look at it that way, where you're like, no, well, that's that do, that doesn't make sense from like a real world, like how they would have set up the actual, uh, the yeah. actual way that this show was made. Like, no, yeah. Um, but uh, like the the I guess the thing there is you have to remember that that it was intentionally made this way, so you can mm-hmm. step back and say, well, that's just a choice that didn't agree with me. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, that maybe other people wanted this thing more or other people wanted this more. Um, I don't think that there would have been any petition to say like, oh, the book of Boba Fett is coming out. Let's keep the Mandalorian in it um, because that's what the fans want. No, this is the story that was told the way that it was intended to be told. And that's just not going to jive with some people. And that's totally fine. I I think that there's, you know, there's a a list of, of things that I would have wanted to see differently, but there's, you know, mirroring that list is a list of things that I'm like, wow, I can't believe that really happened, you know, in front of my face. There was um, this kind of discussion online, and I believe I saw that this is the lowest rated episode on um, Rotten Tomatoes as far as really? the critics are concerned. I can I can see um, on IMDb where where this show stands, but I you know I saw some tweets, and I'm always kind of curious what the lay of the land is for Star Wars fans. Uh, so on IMDb, this has a 7.8, which is not the lowest um, in this series. Uh, lowest would be Chapter Three, which is at a 6.4. And then chapter one, 7.4, chapter four, which is 7.6. And then this episode, which is a 7.8. You know, I was, I was, anyway, I was reading online and there were some people who were kind of disappointed with this episode because they were like, I was waiting for something like a big reveal or a big cameo or a big something to kind of happen with this. And it's just, you know, that's one of those things to where it's like, I understand how some Star Wars fans are kind of waiting for that big cameo to happen. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, I don't need that in an episode like this. If this episode ends with a standoff between Boba Fett and Mace Windu, it's just kind of like, that's not what I'm need yeah. from a finale like this. I kind of want it to tie off the loose ends that were introduced in this season and then also open some new ones for the next season. I don't need this easter egg cameo kind of filled Mm -hmm. you know uh extravaganza uh like that some people might prefer because if you look at imdb the last two episodes of this show uh is a 9.5 and a 9.4 so by far um are the preferred uh uh you know kind of format for the show where it's got a lot of easter eggs and callbacks and and references of other things Um, you know, it's just not something that I need from a show like this. And I think with everything that it introduces and some of the ideas that I liked about this season, again, we'll, we'll kind of 
pocket some of those conversations for next week. We're going to do a, a wrap up discussion on, on our thoughts on the season on a whole. Um, I think this does a good job of tying off those some of those loose ends and really, you know, nailing down and saying in big, bright neon letters of what the show is about and what it is trying to say and how it tries to recontextualize Boba Fett as a character. Uh, I think it does a great job of doing some of that. Um, but, you know, it's also going to have some of those kind of, uh, you know, not only getting fans maybe excited for season two of the book of Boba Fett, but also Mandalorian season three. There's some details and, and information about all that kind of stuff, which we will talk about. Um, but yeah, I think this is does it does a fine job. It's not like an exemplary job. It's not something that I'm going to point to and be like, you know, this is my Mount Rushmore of Star Wars television episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on the whole, it, it kind of does a good job of wrangling in a lot of the plot details that have happened throughout the season uh, and making them come to a, a satisfying conclusion. Satisfying, think, yeah. and a, it's satisfying is, I think, a good word for it. I'm not completely uh, enthralled or like really wowed by this episode, but I'm I'm satisfied enough. Yeah, and I think honestly, like that's, for me, that's sitting at a good place because I don't have I don't have that like nervous anticipation to you know to be expecting people online to be like, well, what are we going to see next? And oh, where yeah. does this go from here? I'm like the fact that we can say, yeah, that that started and then it ended, and we are like we are all good, and yeah. there's like fun stuff to talk about about you know where we went along the way, um, mm-hmm. but like we can pretty much wrap it up. That's that's fun for me, knowing that I don't have to hear a bunch of garbage spouted off an internet discourse about like, yeah. oh well, is is Boba is Cad Bane really dead? Like, come on, oh, guy. there's 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 plenty of garbage that we're gonna be talking about here. That Star, I don't know if you've gone on Twitter much, but Star Wars fans are are uh, upset about. So we'll have plenty of that to discuss. Don't you worry. You'll have to <laughs> you'll have to fill me in because you know me and you know how little I use Twitter. Because if I'm on Twitter for too long. I will get really, really sad. (laughs) So let's jump into spoilers, I guess. Yeah, of course. So we always like to uh, talk about the title of the episode, maybe derive some deeper meaning from that. Uh, This episode, of course, is called In the Name of Honor. Noah, did you uh, pick up any deeper ideas or themes on this? Or is this kind of a surface level dive, uh, dive down in for you? Well, I would say, first of all, love it. I think it's great. Um, I, I've i had an argument uh, with my brother very often about like when you have like a song, do you title it like a part, a lyric that's a part of the song? Or do you title it something else? Um, and yeah. like where's a good balance of doing that? This is really good because I think, you know, it utilizes a bit that is actually said, uh, which is unlike any of the previous episodes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really fun. Um, at least I'm I'm almost positive um, that it's not like it's not uh, directly referencing something that's said in the episode. So first of all, love that. I would say second of all, um, because I'm watching this in the headspace of what other movies or shows or whatever stories is this kind of yeah. in allusion to, um, and so in my head. Uh, when I saw the title in the name of honor, my first thought was, um, the famous phrase that you would see in Westerns is in the name of the law. Um, Mm -hmm. and like tying those two together, um, in different ways to show like, okay, over here you have in the name of the law 
over on this other side you have in the name of honor, what is the yeah. difference between those two? So is it strictly just, well, I'm the fist and I'm the one that, that you know, upholds the law because it's what's right, not necessarily what's good, but it's what's right, or in the name yeah. of honor, is it a moral, is it a code, is it a creed, is it loyalty, is it everything sure. good about the relationships between every single character in this episode? I think it's mm-hmm. so strong. It's really, I mean, to have that set off the episode for me, put me in a very good mindset having that yeah. like, image going forward because that's exactly what we get throughout the entire episode. Yeah, that's a great poll of, you know, those those kind of classic Western lines and, and things that you think of when you think about the the man with no name. And we've talked about a lot how there are very clear Clint Eastwood kind of references and how, you know, you, you like have the, you know, the unforgiven kind of side where it's, oh, you used to be this type of person, but you're trying to kind of reclaim that side of yourself. That's, that's a great pull. Uh, Mm -hmm. For myself, what I had picked up on is, you know, you have in the name of honor, meaning that a lot of the actions that we see Boba take in this episode as well as the season are in the name of honor and in, in the name of, of, of legacy. And what does that honor mean? And his, his name literally has meant something uh, throughout the galaxy. It has been a name of fear and not maybe respect, but uh, an understanding that the type of person that he is and how he conducts business and that he's an efficient killer, but he's a ruthless one too. And mm-hmm. that if you get in, you, if you cross him, it's not going to end well for you. So trying to reclaim that name and now be a name of honor, I think is kind of a theme running throughout this entire season. Um, and I think also something that I thought of is that this episode specifically addresses the type of leadership that was found with prior leaders, um, mm-hmm. being a, a job of the hut, as well as some of the other, like the mayor, as well as some of the pikes and, and how they conduct their, their business. And we see in this episode, the type of leaders that they are, which is directly contrasted with Boba and that he chooses to kind of stay in this city and be uh, a more of a boots on the ground kind of mentality, as opposed to, you know, cowering and running away to his palace, which is a, you know, a direct plot point in this episode. So those two kind of things of having Boba kind of reclaim his name and having it mean something else, uh, kind of was the, the name part of that and having it be that sense of honor that we also see in the title, but also, uh, showing the type of leader that he wants to become, which is, you know, contrasting with the other leaders. And though it may, might be, a uh, though it may be a bit more dangerous for him to do, uh, or maybe not as lucrative for her, for him to kind of engage in some of these business dealings, uh, he's doing so because it's the honorable thing to do. And yeah. so, you know, this, this, this title may, uh, be, uh, a, a bit more surface than maybe not have those kind of double meanings, uh, beyond there. But I think, I still think like all the titles that you can dive on there and really, uh, you know, find, find a kind of a thesis statement for maybe not just this episode, but kind of season one as a whole. Yeah. And honestly, like getting into that and, and talking about what these, like, is one thing you had said about like kind of the direct plot points of, of him you know, his decision uh, making yeah. in this episode that relates to honor is it's really interesting that um, his decisions and the way that he um, carries himself as a leader is pretty much entirely influenced 
by um, the impact that other people have on him. The, you yeah. know, contrasting the way that that the Pikes do business versus how he wants to, or contrasting the way that Jabba right. did business, or you know, or the way that Jabba ruled, and and then taking advice from the mods that say like, well, if you if you leave and go to your palace, you know, what you're showing is actually, you know, fear and, and disrespect yeah. towards the people. So like taking his, uh, his leadership angle as implications, you know, on the, the rest of the town and as advice from other people yeah. is, or, or in retaliation to the way that other people do things is very, yeah. very cool because it shows what we've seen this entire season again is really just a lot of growth. It, it, it's something mm-hmm. that you can physically track um, from episode to episode and from mm-hmm. behavior to behavior. Um, so I will say, like, talking about this side of it as a concept is like, yeah, I want to stand my ground and say that this is a good episode. I know that there's more to yeah. it, but like that concept, sure. that idea thematically is like, oh, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, and it's and it's been something that like I talked about the kind of closing of those, of those shared narratives, as one might say, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that has been uh, a theme and an idea that has been discussed throughout this entire series. And the fact that the finale kind of addresses a lot of that and kind of reminds the audience of, and, and really puts a nice bow on a lot of those themes and ideas for myself is really where this episode shines. Um, and we can, uh, go ahead and, uh, discuss some of those plot points and some of those details. Uh, the episode begins, uh, in the ruins of Garseth Whip's sanctuary. Uh, Din Djarin returns from his mission in Freetown, believing that its citizens will join the fight against the Pikes, as long as their goal is to halt the production and trading of spice on Tatooine, which Fennec Shand is not really cool with. She's saying that this is an export that is really the most lucrative resource at their, at their disposal. Uh, and it was really key in developing Jabba's empire. Uh, so Boba Fett just kind of talks about how this, just because the previous guy did it this way, is not really the way that he's going to run business. Uh, what do you think about this choice that Boba uh, and, and Din Djarin and the people of Freetown make, that even though this is a potentially uh, potentially lucrative business that they could have here, why they're, why they're choosing not to? What did you think about that choice there? Well, it, it does set up an interesting kind of um, correlation between the people of Freetown and the people of Mos Espa, um, showing that, you know, the people of Freetown are like, hey, no, we're like, we're prospering. We're actually doing well because mm-hmm. we have this community and this camaraderie and and we've we've set up this, you know, this relationship between everybody in town to make everything work in a way that, you know, shows yeah. like, uh, you know, the way that the way that Jabba did things and, um, and saying that that's the most lucrative thing. So, you know, that's what's going to help us in terms of, you know, money, I guess, or at least resources or whatever. Um, one, obviously it's, it's not subtle how contradictory it is to what we've seen so far. Um, but it is also, I think funny that, uh, the, the decision made is kind of like, it's kind of an anti-boomer like philosophy of, of like, well, it's not a good excuse to say like, well, it's always been done that way. It's all, you know, so that's honestly very funny because I like, they're all kind of older guys (laughs) that are like, (laughs) you know, what's the decision here? And they're like, no, like change is good. You know? Um, I thought that was funny, but it's a direct correlation with, with, Freetown and Mos Espa. And we see that a little bit more, the, the, uh, I would say the relationship between city folk and 
the more urban or the more rural uh i guess towns and how they interact and have to work together is again yeah it's that's just you know pretty solid writing i think you know yeah and i think it's set up really well too because if you look at how the spice has impacted the people of Tatooine. Boba has a direct experience with that because his time living on the Tuscans, he sees what that can do because their whole land was used as like, you know, uh, trading lanes and they were going through there and ravaging and killing people pretty indiscriminately. And so it makes sense why Boba would be a little bit more keen on that because he's like, yeah, you guys, kind of kill a lot of my family and friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, just to kind of deliver your drug. And yeah, we do know that spice does have like some medicinal use, but let's be honest, the pikes are probably not really using it for that. Um, They're using it kind of for their own gain. And I think you're, you're totally right to talk about the real world implications of that and how people can be resistant to change just because it's maybe not what is most lucrative for them. Um, and kind of having that short sighted mentality, I think a lot of, uh, climate change and a lot of how we could, you know, utilize resources and put funny, uh, money and funds toward and allocate towards, uh, excuse me, allocate funds towards other kind of resources and, and programs to mm-hmm. benefit, benefit us in the long run. And yeah, it's yeah. expensive and yeah, it might, you might find, financially have to kind of pay a little bit more than you were, but look what you're getting and look how it can benefit your community and, 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 you know, the people around you. And I think if you look at a lot of this, the, the leaders who have been on Tatooine and how they've utilized their wealth, they've used it to kind of oppress those under them. And when you have a, an, an addictive drug like spice, you know, something like that is kind of perpetuating that the, the that's a real world issue is that, you know, certain drugs are, they kind of, you know, the, the powers that be might be a little bit more chill with those being out in certain communities because it keeps those, you know, who are quote unquote underneath that way. They keep them kind of the boot on them. You look at mm-hmm. what's happened in uh, the 1980s and how there was a lot of drug problems and maybe it wasn't entirely, <laughs> you know, entirely the people's fault. A lot of maybe you could look towards the government and how they kind of, you know, perpetrated issues like that. So yeah, there is a lot of like, deeper meaning and just this kind of small choice that they decide to have. And I do love the idea, like you said that, Hey, just because the, that's the way it was run does not mean that it's the best way that it can mm. be run and that we can, instead of using wealth and our resources to be higher than our, our community and those around us, we can uplift those and try to be more of on a level playing field here and, and rule not from a financial place, but more of out of a place of respect. Yeah. I think that that yeah. shows the type of leader that Boba wants to become, but it also makes sense considering the journey that he's been on and his history with the, uh, the Tuscans there. Well, and and, yeah, that's no, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to continue on the next plot point, but if you have something to say, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say that's, that's like in, in terms of like, we obviously talk about choice a lot in star Wars. This is the last thing I have, but like, um, yeah. talking about choice is like, um, you know, yes, a, a central theme is making the, like the right choice or the easy choice. Sure. I think even yeah. beyond that, especially here is, you know, showing that you can make a choice either for the next generation, um, or for yours, right. Is like, yeah. well, nobody wants to be told like, yeah, you should do this thing, but it won't help you out. It'll just help people, you know, sure. a little bit farther from now or in the long run. That's, you know, that's the, yeah. the harder thing to do, but that's, you know, it's, 
it's a deeper choice than just the 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 easy versus the right choice. Totally. Um, so it's it is very the the real world kind of connections there are, are pretty interesting. Yeah, and it also has a lot of deeper Star Wars connections. You I mean you talked about Star Wars is a uh, deals a lot with choice, but we talk about how like look towards like Empire Strikes Back and Yoda talks about the dark side and how it's it's not necessarily uh, more powerful, but it's easier, it's quicker, it's mm-hmm. more seductive. And so yeah, finding this resource that has been used for decades, it might be the easiest thing to do and it doesn't matter who it impacts as long as you get your money is that's really all that matters. Yeah. Uh, but you know, choosing not to engage with that is also going to deter some of those maybe uh you know the, the the type of people that you don't really want on Tatooine and kind of the stigma of Tatooine and if if that's not this thriving community on drugs and that you know that's their main <laughs> export maybe you're not going to have as many bad people around there and that that scum and villainy so to speak uh but through that same line of speaking uh, that same line of uh, thinking excuse me of of choice uh Boba is encouraged uh, by the mods to stand and fight on the streets of Mos Espa instead of returning back to his palace. Uh, I think this choice also really speaks to the type of leader that he wants to become and that idea of just because that's what the prior people did doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you have to do. And I think this really does speak to to the type of leadership that he wants to have here is that he wants to be part of a community. And because of his time with the Tuscans, he understands how important that is to stand and fight with those um, beside you and that, you know, just because you're a leader doesn't mean that you have to kind of rule from this high castle, that you can be there and, and, and fight for what you believe in and fight for the, the, the people in your, in your tribe, so to speak. Yeah. That's one of the, the, obviously it's kind of the, the, the main, I guess, pull of what happens for the rest of the episode is, you know, um, his, his allies and the people that, that he's shown respect to, um, yeah. and there's obviously, I, I am like restraining myself from, from getting into it. Um, cause mm-hmm. it has obviously has to do with plot points later, but yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll hold myself back. Cause there's a line, uh, later that is just like, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. yeah to, uh, you know, further kind of underline this point. Um, here, I, I think that there's a few like key decisions that are made that really, I talk about how they do a great job. This episode do a great job of kind of just like, here's the point of the show. Like you mm-hmm. were wondering, it, it, it really spells it out. And it, that, it, it makes me laugh. Cause I know that there are still going to be star Wars fans who are out there who are like, Boba Fett's such this badass guy, but you know, is I literally saw people saying that like, uh, is, I hate that how he's gotten older, he's gotten soft, and I'm like, hey guys, you remember the part in the episode where the bad guy <laughs> says that thing? Like, okay, that wasn't Oof. like a, a, important to you. Um, I'm having but some anyway. last Jedi flashbacks. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a point about that too uh, later on, uh, but to kind of further underline this point, another decision that shows the type of. Uh, leader that Boba is uh, through contrast uh, we cut to the Pikes as well as the mayor of Mos Espa and they're hiding in Mos uh, Eisley far away from the the looming war that is you know hanging over Mos uh, Espa so they're in like a complete other city you know, calling the shots and completely safe from their their high castle, which is directly contradicting the type of leader that Boba wants to become. And he's there and he's in the ruins fighting for what he believes. And you have these other people, including the mayor, who doesn't even who don't care about their city and just want to be away from the danger because they just are kind of caring about themselves. 
Man, that sounds so much like the real world. It's insane. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. like you, you it makes, see people. It makes me think of uh, the, like the Ted Cruz, like leaving the, the Texas thing oh to like go goodness. to the Bahamas. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> He's like going on a plane, going to the beach while people are like freezing to death. You know? yep. Not to get political, but you know. <laughs> or there, no, there's the, the, the mayor of Florida, like was like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do about COVID. Like this was yeah. like, you know, early, mid 2020. He was like, this is what we're going to do about COVID. And then he like got on a jet plane and went to Texas and they were yeah, like, Hey yeah. man, what, what <laughs> we're, yeah, there's we're a like lot. Getting, in the sh- we're getting crushed here. Yeah. There's a lot in the show that, you know, people say like, Ugh, star Wars doesn't need to be so political, but then there's stuff like this to where it's like, Oh no, it's very political. You might just not be picking up on it. You know, it's like clearly yep. maybe not talking about American politics, but just the idea that you have certain leaders who, are in their, you know, job position in their role for maybe the wrong reasons. I'm more pointing towards the mayor, the, the, the drug yeah. criminal underlord. It's kind of understandable that they're, <laughs> they're behaving <laughs> the way that they are. Cause that's, I would be surprised if they were there too. Uh, but yeah, having the mayor in particular, who is the mayor of Mos Espa, not even be part of the town that he is supposed to be the leader of and is instead kind of just hiding away and in, in their little tower over in the other, other side of the planet practically, yeah. you know? And yeah. it is funny that he's, he's like, I, oh, I didn't authorize, I didn't authorize the bombing, you know, he yeah. was like, I don't want, I'm still the mayor of the city. I didn't authorize the bombing, but you definitely did authorize three Scorpionek droids to come in and start <laughs> blasting the place up, just absolutely exactly. firing. So exactly. it, yeah, it's that like, yeah. it's that feigned kind of, uh, leadership, you know, it's not really, totally. it's not really real. Yeah. Yeah, they're just for the money and the influence and the power. And, you know, that also ties back into early on in the show where they a couple of characters talk about how, uh, you know, Bobo, when he came into the city, he wasn't being carried on the shoulders of others. And there was this big theatrical production. He just kind of walks under his, uh, under his own two feet. And that's like different for this area, which I, mm-hmm. I is, you know, kind of, again, comes full circle here to where Bobo's trying to do something different. And he kind of has learned of his ways and he's dealt for so long with the people who have, who have ruled this way that he's kind of wanting to do something different now. It's almost like this episode is, you know, tying off a lot of those loose ends here and it's actually trying to make a point. (laughs) No, something like that. Um, so, uh, while this meeting is happening, uh, Cad Bane drops on in. We finally get confirmation that the Pikes were in fact involved in the killing of the Tuscan tribe. Uh, so Cad Bane, as far as we can tell, is not the one that actually carried out the killings himself. So we were like kind of half right there. Uh, mm-hmm. so go us, uh, over at Pelly's garage. Uh, we see an incoming X-Wing where it is revealed that Grogu has in fact chosen the Beskar armor, uh, and has decided to return to Din Djarin. So. Lots to discuss here. Yeah. Not surprising, but lots to discuss here about this moment. First of all, you said you you should you were not surprised by this uh, by this choice here. So is this something that you kind of saw coming? I totally didn't. Um, and <laughs> which is funny because I'm like, no, nah, not surprised, but also I didn't <laughs> see that coming. Um, yeah. I really I and. I'll say this for the second time in a row, uh, the second week in a row, I kind of thought we were done with that. Um, but we weren't, uh, which is hilarious because it's like, you know, you had said before, um, that choice is something that's like, well, tune in 
on season three of the Mandalorian uh, to find out yeah. where this ends up. Yeah. But actually we get that answer. So that's a little bit interesting because now it's like, okay, season three of the Mandalorian has a little bit less stakes to begin with um, and is a little bit more open, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not surprised by the choice itself. I am surprised that he's there, but um, doesn't make too much of an impact on the episode overall because I think it comes together really well. Um, sure. One of, one of my things here is I, I'm really, really enjoying um, seeing Din and Boba like interacting just in general is they have yeah. some really awesome chemistry um, and that kind of ties into the rest of it. You know, if you're going to have the Mandalorian, you have to wrap up that story and pull those, those threads together. So sure. Fine. Obviously I got to sit and watch uh, holding Grogu again, which just feels good. So I'm not too mad. Yeah. I'm not too upset. Yeah. I do want to talk about, cause I didn't have it in my notes here. So I did want to bring it up, but the, yeah, the chemistry between, Din and and Boba is really interesting to me because it's that's something that I was always really excited about with the idea and you go back to our recording of that episode where it reintroduces the Mandalorian I was so excited about the prospect mm -hmm. of that because these two characters do have kind of this interesting overlap to where Man, the Mando as a character has really been someone who's been defined by his creed and that's really about it. You know, like he's really, that's, you know, uh, really carried on his, his actions and, and how he's led his life up to this point, even where it's addressed in this episode where Boba says like, do you really kind of believe in all that crap? And he's like, yeah, I do. And he's, Boba's like, all right, fair enough. So I think it does kind of show that maybe Din Djarin is able to pick up on some of those, those uh, kind of qualities of Boba is that he mm -hmm. used to be kind of this feared bounty hunter, but he's chosen his way and chosen his own path and maybe can inspire uh, Din Djarin to do the same. Uh, but something else I really wanted to talk about uh, here also with this moment is <laughs> I kind of couldn't help but laugh at the it's been a common theme even throughout the Mandalorian of how terrible the pant parent everyone is. Mm -hmm. So like uh, Mando leaves Grogu in the and you know to to Luke and is kind of like okay he's under your care now it's he's kind of your responsibility. But when Luke like allows Grogu to go back to Din Djarin, what does he do? He just puts him on a ship and like just tells R two to take care of it and just takes him to like an incredibly dangerous planet that correct me if I'm wrong. If he drops him off on Moss Eisley. That's kind yeah, of where does. Pelly's garage is at. So it's this place that Luke was specifically told by Obi-Wan is like this terrible place where everyone's the worst. And he's just like, yeah, R2 will take care of it and just drops him off with this complete stranger. I thought that was just a very odd choice on Luke's behalf. I wasn't expecting him to like come into battle and just start, you know, hacking down, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Pike's here but it was just a very weird choice that luke's like yeah r2 will take care of it go drop off the kid i wonder if luke was like a little mad at grogu he's like fine whatever okay yeah go go okay r2 go take him i don't get out of my sight i don't yeah, even want to no, see you. I, I felt the same i felt exactly the same because like i was listening to a couple other breakdowns and things and people were like oh my gosh are we about mm -hmm. to see luke but like for me i was like no like luke wouldn't luke wouldn't go you know yeah um but I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be like a new Republic officer or something. Um, now I will say, I, I think that there's a little bit, a little bit of merit only to play devil's advocate here because I totally agree with you. But, uh, I think there's a little bit of merit to like at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, um, 
Luke can kind of feel Grogu's choice, his like decision mm-hmm. to come with Luke. Um, and like, that's, that's an interesting piece. Cause then it's like, okay, so Grogu's decision is to go back to the Mandalorian, but you're totally right. Like, he's just like, okay, see ya. You're not, if you're not going to be a Jedi, you're not part of my thing. We're, we're done here. Contract terminated. And I don't yeah. know you anymore. So <laughs> it's, well, it the, is a the, funny Grogu's- bit. Yeah. Grogu's choice, I understand, because to me, being a Jedi in the Jedi Order represents a lot of trauma and fear for Grogu and the fear of losing loved ones and and people that you've grown a connection with, uh, which is something that we talked about last week is that, that, you know, those connections and those relationships and how those can affect uh, people and has affected Grogu. We, We see in that flashback, he's seeing his friends and potentially his mentors get gunned down in front of him. So that's something that being a Jedi and, and, and utilizing the force really kind of means for a lot of him. So I understand that part of his character, but I also wanted to talk about something that you had discussed of kind of assuming that that would be addressed in Mando, Mando season three. Yeah. But as one of my more significant complaints with this episode or frustrations, maybe it's, it's again, it's kind of hard to review this at a vacuum and not talk about the past few episodes, but I think it is a bit of a shame that this choice and our time with Grogu and Luke is limited to what amounts to about half of an episode and then like a little bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's something that could have been discussed a whole lot more because Mando now that, sh- that learning opportunity for him isn't there for him to learn about attachment and to learn about what, like the, the attachment that he formed with Grogu and how, is he really wanting him to lead this life for himself or because he thinks that this is what's best for Grogu. Now we're kind of back at the status quo um, from Mando season one to where it's just like Grogu and Din just kind of hanging around around the galaxy doing and getting up to, you know, tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. I really wish that we would have had a bit more time to let this choice marinate because I think it does impact Grogu and does impact Din Djarin a lot as well. Uh, and I just would have preferred to spend a bit more time with this. Unfortunately, it does feel a little bit rushed for myself personally. Is that yeah. something that you felt too, or am I alone in this? No, I totally get you. I think my, my feelings towards it are more towards the, the, the line of saying like, okay, this aspect of, of what is really important about Grogu's character about, mm-hmm. you know, where the, you know, this era of what the Jedi look like, right, is having Luke be the one that's, that's you know, growing a new generation of Jedi um, mm-hmm. and having Grogu be a part of that because that's kind of, you know, what he's born into. And that's a huge, like, that's, that's uncovered stuff that we have. And it yeah. says, no, okay, we're going to shut the door on that and we're actually going to pivot um, and go to this side of Grogu and having him be a foundling instead of a potential Jedi. So yeah. I definitely get that because it it does a 180 and says, no, we're actually going to go with this side of his story. Um, mm-hmm. So shutting the door on that, I think, is, is frustrating. But at the same time, um, real world factors, like I had said, like I had said before, like, Grogu's the golden goose and he's got to be in Mandalorian season three. And I, it almost makes me think if we had gotten Mandalorian season three and the first few episodes were training, but then the ultimate decision to leave, um, I, 
again, the Star Wars cynic in me would have said, well, we just wasted a lot of time. Like, yeah, it's cool to see, but we just wasted a lot of time. Um, and that's like a know. hard thing because you're you're trying to contextualize it without saying like without having so much and yeah. not ha- like that. Then you get to the root of the problem is not having a- enough to play with in the first place. So yeah, it's such a weird kind of you know shut in on both sides and not having a lot of room to really appreciate any of it because of that. It's so we- it's it's weird to me. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's. You know, I don't know if if I would have been like, well, I don't know if if having it if if it does take a bit longer. I don't know if I would have been like, well, we just kind of wasted time because I I, I feel that way to a degree now. Where yeah. I'm kind of like, well, what's the point? Like, because you could apply that argument to season two of The Mandalorian, to where it's like this whole season is him trying to find Luke Skywalker. And now that he finds them, it's kind of moot, you know, I don't feel that way to, to emphasize. I don't think it is pointless because I think we do learn things about his character and and Grogu's character on this journey. And I do think we learn them through his character in these couple of episodes. It just feels like a very synthesized version of that. I was kind of anticipating that that would be like a whole season's worth of things to chew on and discuss and to have Grogu really choose this moment and to really discuss like, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? And Grogu is trying to figure this out if he wants to become one while Mando and and Dan are trying to wrestle with this idea of, are they even one? Because they're technically not anymore, but Mm -hmm. what does that mean for themselves? And looking at Bo-Katan and and, and Boba Fett and learning from these peers of, no, there actually are lots of different the ways, you know? I thought this would have been kind of like a whole season long discussion here, but uh, there is the cynic side of me of like, well, of course you're not going to have Grogu not be in the series. I think you could have still kind of bounced back and forth between Din and then what's going on with Grogu and kind of have this more substantial kind of uh, kind of back and forth going on there. It's possible. But just as far as, you know, you could always play the what if in Star Wars and like, well, I wish this would have happened instead of actually yeah. diving on in the material. But diving into what we do have here of what actually does occur in this episode, it does for myself just feel a little bit rushed. And I would have preferred to really dive on into this, this dynamic and this choice, which I think looking back on the end of season two, where Din allows Grogu to go with Luke, doesn't feel as impactful in the moment it does because Grogu or you know Din still believes that Gro- this is kind of their their goodbye and that this mm-hmm. is kind of the last time that they would see each other but you know Star Wars is always you know you go back and watch season seven of the Clone Wars and seeing the last time that Ahsoka and Anakin are together and to see that moment it's like oh man or see the last time that Obi-Wan sees Anakin to where before Obi-Wan goes to to, to fight Grievous you know you go back and watch those moments and you're like god that's the last time if they only would have said this thing and those moments kind of mean a lot more going mm-hmm. back and watching you know Din give Grogu to Luke I don't know like I'd be curious to see um, of course we don't know what's going to happen in season three of Mando but um, I don't know if that decision is going to be as impactful um, but you know I, I just I don't think I'd expected it to be the ramifications of that choice are really about one episode of, of, of television, you know, half of yeah. an episode and then like a, a quarter of another one. It, it just surprised me. I was surprised it was that quick. Now, if we're talking about both of these series in kind of their own larger mm-hmm. series, um, yeah. you know, I'm hoping at least that it makes sense 
for this decision to be made here, even if in this season it doesn't feel like it makes sense. I'm hoping that in this larger series that it's it's a big meta narrative that that Disney yeah. Plus is putting together. Um, I'm hoping that it makes more sense for them to say this decision needs to be made at some point, and we we want to save the Mandalorian season three for Din's other exploits going to Mandalore Maybe. doing this thing. And, you know, I don't know. That, I don't know. That seems how they kind of shape the, you know, season three to be where it's going to be him, a lot of going to Mandalore and maybe trying to reclaim that side of himself and kind of, you know, uh, uh, purge his sins, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, and to kind of, they talked the, the armor talked about that is that he can kind of, become a Mandalorian if he go, kind of goes on this crusade a little bit. So I think that that's mostly what we're going to be seeing in season three. Uh, but still, I was just surprised that Grogu is going to be along for this journey so quickly. I just expected, you know, you see the Naboo starfighter and it's got that little pod in the back and you're, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, he's coming eventually. I know he yeah. will be a part of this. I just didn't expect it to be, you know, next week. All right. They're, they're back together. And the, and that's the Mandalorian again, you know, like the TV show, uh, yeah. the Mandalorian again. I just, it was it just surprised me a little bit. I do think that there's some merit to saying like, it's interesting that with the Mandalorian, it's like, okay, we can't really look at this as one season. We need to look at it as more. We need to look at it as, you know, both seasons or three seasons. Well, then adding the book of Boba Fett and saying, well, you can't really look at it as just the book of Boba Fett. You need to look at it as, uh, you know, the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Well, you can't really look at it as just the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. You need to look at it as even more seasons and maybe Ahsoka will even be like that. And it'll be kind of a triad of, of this era of Disney plus stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And the Rangers of the new Republic and that's not really happening, but certain plot points are apparently getting folded into certain things. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's, I, I, I am always going to be someone who's going to give Star Wars the benefit of the doubt and give creators the benefit of the doubt and to see, okay, they have a plan and this is clearly intentional. I am just trying to repress that side of me. Like you had said, that's like the cynical side of, well, we're not going to not have Grogu and yeah, the Mandalorian. Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. We have to sell those toys. I don't. I. I, I don't want to be uh, cynical and say that that's the only reason. Um, I'm just hoping that that's not a reason. Yeah. Um, so and moving we'll, on. We'll uh, find out. Yeah. We will find out, of course, yeah. Uh, Finnick and Boba here are discussing their plans of attack when Cad Bane steps into the streets of Mos Espa, where he tries to lure Boba into a duel by addressing their history together, as well as the death of the Tuscans and the death of Cobb Vanth, uh, saying that he should have left him with his armor. In this moment, Finnick urges Boba to take, take a step back, uh, that if he engages in uh, the duel with Bane, that he will be giving in to what he wants and is leading by his emotions. Uh, so I thought that this was like a very Jedi moment for Fennec Shand, and uh, considering throughout this entire series, she's really been someone to kind of have that shoot first, ask questions later kind of mentality and wanting to do what's um, maybe what's... Uh, not the light side thing to do wanting to enjoy the feast from earlier in the show and Mm -hmm. uh, no go ahead and sell spice it's great you know this seemed like a surprisingly kind of centered moment for her where she was like maybe it's purely tactical maybe not as much emotional but she was just kind of like hey man this isn't going to go very well let's take a moment and kind of recess i i like this moment for finn now that that strikes me as something that you know again we see that she is kind of a tactical genius here she is smart um Mm -hmm. and we also know that this is not the first time that her and cad bane have met so knowing that she is like hey listen man don't don't let him poke and prod you because 
he, we yeah. both know he's not someone to mess with. This is something that needs to be done tactically, strategically, precisely, and what have you. You know, it's, yeah. again, I really like her character in this because she does have those moments of uh, of kind of wisdom that veer away from the consistency of her character, but in a in a more mature and you know interesting way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Finnick urges Boba to kind of take a step back. Uh, and that if he engages with this uh, with with Bane here, it's not really going to go the way he thinks. Uh, meanwhile, this is happening across the city. Uh, the war has kind of officially begun with the mods being ambushed as well as Black Chrysanthemum. Um, I wanted to take a moment here. This isn't the exact moment that it happens, but it was part of that controversy that I was talking about here that has erupted on Twitter of the infamous spin move. Noah, are you aware of the spin I move? I saw it and I thought... That was probably a practical decision to make. Uh, maybe I did not go back and rewatch it. It did, like it. It was one of those things that like actually like hit me in the face, and I was like, yeah. I just saw that. Like that was odd, but I I saw it and I was like, how would that? Like in my head, I was like, how does that work? Like would he have had to have reached for his gun that way and spun around that way? Like but I didn't care, you know, it's just whatever. Yeah. It's a slow motion. It's also, this episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez. I don't think that's the most egregious thing that he's ever done in his career. So yeah, yeah. back off. <laughs> you know, it's something that it's, I just kind of want to add it to the list of like, uh, Oh, this Star is where you're thinking of the last Jedi. I hear it. I, no, I no, see no, it no, 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 not yet. Oh, not yet. I was, that, I was thinking, I, of I, the... I, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. I do know what you're talking about though. Okay. Um, of the, the, the disappearing knife kind of thing for yes. me, it's, it's more of the, the, my frustration is just kind of like, I'm, uh, I'll say this as, as, as kindly and politely as I think as as I try to, there's a lot of star Wars fans that the way that they enjoy star Wars is on a very like technical level. And it's kind of the same issue with the Holdo maneuver and they're like, well, how does hyperspace really work? And how would that actually happen? And people watch the last Jedi and oh, there's that disappearing knife. Well, actually, if they went this way, they'd be able to stab that person. And it, like it doesn't, the choreography doesn't really make sense. I think my frustration was when a lot of people say like, oh, it's lazy or whatever. Cause it's like, oh no, people work very hard on this kind of stuff. It's not laziness. It's just, uh, it's yeah. Some, some fight scenes and in, in star Wars is, are not the most technically proficient thing that you could be doing. Star Wars isn't John wick, you know, it's not supposed right. to be the super proficient, uh, tra it's trained in a different way. It's Star Wars is a fairy tale and it's very mythical and it's very uh, also silly. You know, um, yep. if you go back to, I saw one of the, the, the tweets that I saw was the most head scratching was somebody posted a, a gif of Obi-Wan fighting Vader and a new hope. And Alec Guinness does this kind of spin move. That's pretty unnecessary to mm -hmm. attack Vader and somebody said, yeah, that was 45 years ago. You think technology and a lot of stuff has changed since then that we'd grow from that. And I was just kind of like, dude, you're talking about the foundation of Star Wars. And then you're now saying that like this new chapter in Star Wars needs to somehow be different from the origin of Star Wars because technology is better. A guy did a spin. It's, what are you talking about? Like, it's not CG. Like, yeah, you know, no. it's like just because we have computers now doesn't mean people aren't going to do like this theatrical kind of spin move. And you look at the prequels and 
I saw also people saying online of like, well, actually the spinning that Obi-Wan and Anakin do is tactical because they're trying to gain momentum. It's like it's not, they have lightsabers. Not, no. You don't need to gain momentum. Like it's a lightsaber. You're not going to yeah. swing it any harder. You know what I mean? It's not like an axe. It's a lightsaber. Unless it's the dark saber. <laughs> Unless it's the dark saber. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just kind of this, I think that even though there is merit to that of what, sure, whatever, if, if you do think that there is this, well, you need to gain momentum tactically to me, yeah. that reads more. I like this thing and I'm trying to rationalize some of the more theatrical kind of silliness. And I don't say silly, even in like a degrading way. It's just like, it's lots of star Wars is silly. Um, uh, I think people try to rationalize. So I, I like this and this happens in it. So how do, how does I, how do I make it make sense in my mind? Yeah. And so when you have the spin move here, I'll try and find it and, and send it to you on Twitter. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it, but there's plenty of clips going around. But to me, it's just kind of like, God, you guys are such stick in the muds. Like you mm -hmm. guys really, instead of diving in on and talking about a lot of the deeper ideas, and I know it's it's most it's Twitter. It's like a place for jokes, and it is funny. I get it. Like and I saw mm -hmm. it, like yeah. it, it is funny to see like this very silly kind of uh, the useless spin move that happens, but you're right. It's Robert Rodriguez. What did you think he was going to do when he came on to this? It's like, yeah. this is the same guy that did Desperado. And you're saying that like, you know, I'm just surprised that people are, are, you know, or yeah. thought that this was so ridiculous. And it's just kind of like, just quit being so boring. You know, a yeah. guy spun and, around and, and shot and you're saying that this is like, you know, uh, I'm just kind of like, have you guys watched Star Wars before? It's been yeah. silly and theatrical and unnecessary. And it's, yeah. Anyway, continue. I'll, what were you I'll, saying? Say, I'll say two things about this. One, um, I was really happy to see that. Th this is just a little thing. I was really happy to see that Robert Rodriguez directed this episode because I think it was really impressive in terms of directing. I think that most of it was really impressive. I was, I was pretty happy with it in terms of, I mean, I've been vocal about like, yeah, I was not thrilled to have Robert Rodriguez helming certain episodes, but I think, I think he really kind of impressed me. So that's just whatever. Um, but for like the, for the spin moves and you're totally right that, that especially yeah. in revenge of the Sith is so many people have different arguments for why, the battle is the way that it is um, uh, just because they're rationalizing. And it's funny because maybe it's just the, uh, you know, a different type of fan that you and I and other people are is yeah. I rationalize the, the battle in revenge of the Sith. And I rationalize those spin moves and those weird things because I don't like it. And I would, and I want to stop not liking it. I don't want to be so cynical and I want to, yeah. I like, I want to tell myself, okay, well, is there something to appreciate here? Is there something I'm missing? Maybe I can reframe yeah. this for myself and not be such a stick in the mud and not be so degrading to other things and whatever. So I will yeah. rationalize those things and say, yeah, they, they spin around each other without hitting their lightsabers because they're so evenly matched or because yeah. they, you know, or, or because Anakin learned directly from Obi-Wan. And so they're doing the same thing. Like I'll yeah. rationalize those things because I want to get rid of that icky feeling of well, why sure. does this not, why does this not hit me with, yeah. as well as other people? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, went ahead and sent that to you. If you need your refresher, I sent it to you on Twitter, but I'll yeah, watch it anyways, just now, just because why not, you know? Well, I, it reminds me of the kind of the Vespa thing. And it's funny that it involves like the, the same people, but it's just kind of like, I, it's hard to like argue against this kind of stuff. Cause it's just like, that thing is dumb. It's like, all right, Star Wars <laughs> has been doing that for a long time, pal. Like, 
Star Wars has done that dumb thing that you don't like for a very long time. So sure, I guess if you don't like it now, but I could also point to like probably every movie that also does a dumb spin move. And like, you know, it reminds me of like Corridor did a video in a, a couple months ago where they hired like a real sword expert to like choreograph a realistic Star Wars fight sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's completely different. It doesn't feel or, or look like Star Wars. It's a totally different thing. And they're also yeah. like the lightsaber effects they use are like it's a, they, they tried to make it as realistic. Like if this was to happen on planet Earth and mm-hmm. you had these trained swordsmen who had this incredibly hot blade that you didn't need to swing to gain momentum because it's made out of light. Like, you know, like what, like, how would you, how would you wield a weapon like this? Stuff like that is, is interesting and and cool, but Star Wars isn't meant to be like real life because real life is kind of boring a lot of the way in a lot of ways. And it's (laughs) not as theatrical and it's not go watch fencing. Like on the, the Olympics are going on right now. I'm sure fencing might be a summer sport, but my point is, is like, those are technically proficient fighting and Mm -hmm. it's not meant to be like that. It's fun to see stuff like that, but star Wars has never claimed to be realistic kind of fight sequences here. It's a fairy tale. It's meant to be over the top and theatrical. And yeah, yeah, would you actually try spinning your, your jet in a real fight? No, probably not, but this (laughs) is supposed to be fantastical, you know? Yeah. The other thing is, you know, you and I both saw um, the last duel. I'm sure not a lot of people did, but you and I both did. Um, yes. Compare compare the sword fighting in the last duel to something yeah. like something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or Hero, or Ipan. Sure. If you're yeah. going to be using handheld weapons and you're talking about the origins of Star Wars and where it comes from, why mm-hmm. are you expecting some kind of last duel esque? fight yeah. with these massive heavy you know arm sure. slicing weapons versus yeah. something more handheld and more proficient and more you know quick uh like you mm-hmm. would find in crouching tiger hidden dragon with a lot of the stabs and and swords that they use i'm just that that feels so obvious to me it feels so obvious to me it makes me so upset yeah and i think the simple way to boil it down is uh because it looks cool and if you don't yeah. think it looks cool, then that's fine. And then move on. Like I would yeah. much rather engage in a conversation with Star Wars fans about, oh, what did you think about how like Grogu's choice? And did you think that that was rushed? Or what do you think about the Rancor, which we'll talk about and how that's mm-hmm. like emblematic of Boba as a character? Like I, I get those are not necessarily conversations that are fit for Twitter and that you only have so many characters, but I, I see Star Wars fans again point to this and they're like, see, this is why the show's bad. And it's just like... <sighs> then then okay, they man. drop the D word and all credibility is like, oh, whatever. They they, <laughs> exactly. they go, and Disney did this. It's like, all right, well, yeah. moving on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on from there. Uh, Boba and Din uh, formulate a plan to use the mayor's major domo to distract the pikes while the two of them use their jetbacks to surprise them in a sneak attack. Hilarious uh, I thought this was a pretty awesome cool scene. moment. Yeah. Uh, it was a very Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid kind of thing where they're both yeah. sitting there and spinning and shooting guns and back to back and cool. And whenever one gets shot down, the other kind of helps him, helps him up. Very neat. Very mm-hmm. neat fight sequence and you know, we, we all enter in Star Wars at the pew, pew, pew kind of level. And this just kind of scratched that side of my brain where I'm like, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian are shooting people and it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. And also it, there's a, there's a good, um, I think there's a good amount of visual, um, 
lesson there that yeah. that Boba Fett is more proficient than the Mandalorian. Um, I think oh, people yeah. think that I think people think that the Mandalorian is like overly badass. Um, mm-hmm. but no, Boba Fett has got it way more, uh, down. Well, Boba does like a, a sweet, like no look knee dart move. Oh like, God. I want, know, I want a poster some other dude. of that. I want a poster yeah. of that. That, that yeah. bit is really, really, really good. Yeah. They both use their respective weapons and Din uses like the whistling birds and yeah, really cool, really cool moment. It does kind of, you know, Boba kind of helps pick up his, his, uh, that, that felt like a team. It didn't feel like a, you know, I don't know if the old Bobo would have done something like this. So it's cool to see yeah. them working side by side. And again, it is kind of that what I talked about where you've got the, the kid pouring out their action figures and just having like a cool fight sequence. I, I thought that that was a really fun moment. Yeah. And uh, I think there was a bit there. It was during that fight mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm wondering if this should be Boba and Fennec, um, because Fennec goes off, uh, to, to yeah. do her own thing. Um, yes. But I was like, should it be Boba Fett and Fennec Shand? Because this is kind of the mm-hmm. duo that we've got. But like, no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And Fennec gets her moment to shine, which we will discuss. Uh, but the citizens of Freetown arrive in the nick of time to help against the fight with the Pikes. Uh, and they use this V-35 land speeder, which has like a big gun attached to it. Mm-hmm. I noticed that speeder because it's kind of like it's in the... Uh, special edition or not that's actually in the like original but uh in a new hope it's kind of like driving by and it's like this uh speeder the classic speeder design that you see uh in the original film this one yeah. just got a big gun attached to it which i thought was really cool <laughs> yeah yeah i think that also that speeder is also probably on navarro in the mandalorian it looks like oh, it's probably. similar to one of those things when there's like the yeah, astromech yeah, yeah. in the in the pilot seat or yeah. whatever anyways yeah, I could see one of those like in a vintage line, you know, where you've got the 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 Freetown barkeep and he's in the <laughs> I would love it if it comes with him and he's like you he can put him in the little turret and hide uh, Boba and Mando behind it. Give me one of those. Give me that play set. That'd be really cool. I thought you were uh, talking but, about like a vintage line like a car show. Like they they rock that thing up to like a car show where you get in like the no. parking lot of a Chili's no, like the and everybody vintage brings their line. vintage cars. Yeah. No, like the vintage uh like three and three quarter figures yes. that they have, like Star Wars yeah. has. I yeah, I want yeah. something like that. That'd be great with the with the Freetown barkeep. I'd love that. We're on the same page. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, meanwhile, the Pikes enlist the help of two Scorpionek Annihilator droids. Uh, these droids are based on a piece of concept art for Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Uh, I thought these were really cool to see. They're kind of just these big droidicas, uh, and it's one of the many moments in this series that had a surprising amount of prequel love. Even though you don't really see these in the prequels, it does feel like a very prequel Star Wars thing, and I was just surprised that the series has so much of that because it's uh, a lot of Disney Star Wars stuff has kind of been devoid of that, but this just yeah. has a lot of love for the, the prequels in just like and in little ways. you know. I think that there's obviously droids are a big part of, you know, the auxiliary Star Wars stuff, um, uh-huh. and they have their place in a lot of different areas, especially like you know the the droids in Jabba's palace that we see, or yeah. uh, or stuff like that. But um, it is interesting to see combat droids come back um, mm-hmm. because that's not something you get a whole lot, other than obviously the inclusion of dark troopers. But that's kind of a newer thing, so it feels yeah. like these things are like, oh, maybe these are new, maybe they're not. Who knows? But they're cool as hell and they're big and scary. Yeah, I like to think that the Pikes like, 
you know, uncovered those or found them in some sort of, you know, uh, a deal gone wrong and they had these big machines or, you know, they, they kind of, it makes, it makes it seem like they, they're not the separatists, you know, but they found these kind of old decommissioned kind of droids that the separatists might've used, but they ended up getting their hands on. Uh, and it also is just really cool. And it also provided like a unique threat for them to where I was kind of like, there was one side of me where I was like, Oh man, how are you guys going to like go up against these things? But then there was another side of me of like, guys, you should have watched Star Wars Clone Wars. You, you was, know what to do. You got to roll the, the dro- you got to roll the thermal detonator nice I and slow. I was just you know? about to say, like, you would think <laughs> that after so many years, somebody would have been like, well, the reason that the droids actually went out of style is because everybody exploited the tricks and and yeah. whatever to like get rid of them. And I was like, they should be yeah. rolling thermal detonators. I'm just, but it, <laughs> it looks at one point like Din tries to like put his hand through and can't. Black Chrysanthemum does too. Oh, he as well. is yeah. Black Chrysanthemum. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there's that bit where I was like, okay, that actually kind of, that makes more sense now that it's like they can't yeah. actually get through them. Um, which Maybe is sad because I really like stronger the, or something. Yeah. I really love the Droidica style stuff and that, like, I was waiting for some of those familiar sound effects too, but overall, yeah. very cool. Very cool. Uh, but to aid them in this fight, Boba decides to enlist at the help of his Rancor, which he rides into battle. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Rancor as the whole in the season. We kind of knew that this was coming. Uh, some stuff had leaked about Boba riding a Rancor uh, in some fashion. Uh, and we also got the Rancor introduced early on in the season. So that seemed like it was going to happen. Uh, so overall, what were your thoughts on the Rancor throughout this season? Um, I... I don't want to say that it's underutilized because I think it, it serves a very, uh, it's a very Chekhov's rancor uh, purpose where it yeah. needs to be used once. And I think that overdoing it would have been silly um, by having him be like, okay, now this is my pet rancor that I'm going to ride into town whenever I need to go into town. No, mm-hmm. this is a big deal that, you know, obviously for one, he's going to keep it in the palace. Um, but he wants to learn how to ride it instead of just having it be kind of the servant thing. So it has to serve a purpose once. And I think it serves a really good purpose. So I'm not like, I know some people were like, I've totally forgot that there was a rancor in this, in this show. And it's like, no, it's definitely like that had to have happened now. And it like, of course it was going to happen once we get into this. So like I'm really glad it does happen and it doesn't make it doesn't make Boba Fett OP it doesn't like mm-hmm. drastically yeah. change the stakes like he gets injured by the droids and Cad Bane is able to fend off the rancor so like it doesn't change the stakes it's it yeah. fits in perfectly as like the okay well where are my allies um there's the the good bit I was thinking of was when Fennec Shan says like or it might it might have been Din who said like who else is going to like, who else is going to help us? You're all out of friends. Um, yeah. Dan says that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is so good because that really is like, they don't have soldiers. They have friends that are willing to fight and yeah. having the rancor there is more about Boba Fett being attached to it. Um, and yeah. you know, and the it's rancor being loyal, <laughs> it's just people. Um, <laughs> but like th- that, that too, like the Mandalorian tries to, to, like ride the rancor and the rancor is like, um, <laughs> no, like, yeah, no, it, yeah. it's, it's Boba Fett and his, his alliances, the attachments that he's yeah. made, you know? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love this moment. It seemed like a great payoff to what we had been introduced earlier. Um, I would have loved to have seen some training with with uh, Boba yeah. and the Rancor. That would have been great yeah. to see because I really love kind of the the ideas that the Rancor means to me and what it means for this series. Because we had talked about when it was introduced is that Rancor, the Rancor and Boba are essentially like kind of the same. They're like one and the same kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Is that you have this these these beings who were raised to do one thing and that's kind of violence and they're doing violence at the behest of others uh and using been being used as a hammer their entire life and because they have this connection um they're able to kind of understand one another and that there's this not necessarily softening but the, uh, more of an intentionality of not just using them as kind of this mindless creature but someone who has feelings and, and and someone who you know is able to kind of choose their their own destiny here and i think the galaxy as a whole as well as some star wars fans uh kind of see <laughs> both of them as kind of these one-dimensional things to where they're Oh, the, what is the rancor or what is boba fett oh it's this cool badass thing that kills people versus mm-hmm you know, having a little bit more uh, dimension to them. Uh, and so being able to see Boba use this as a, as a tool um, for himself and to, to not use it as a tool to punish others or to, to torture or kill others, but using it as a tool to like liberate this small town, I thought was like a really great uh, payoff for that moment. And it also, like you had said, it's not, he doesn't just ride this in and, and he saves the day. Him fighting these big monsters, these big uh, droids is actually kind of like a challenge for him. I was, I was concerned that he was going to bite the dust, you know, yeah. uh, I, I did, I didn't know if he would actually be able to do it. So being able to see him uh, fight these, these droids, as well as having Din come in and help with the dark saber, it was you know it's, it felt like a like a group effort, which was uh, really cool to see. Uh, and that brings us to Cad Bane entering into the battle, uh, who I feel also kind of um, represents Boba and his history as a bounty hunter, and he kind of represents. We've talked about that he kind of is the path that Boba could have taken. And mm-hmm. if he never kind of had that opportunity at the Sarlacc pit to kind of rethink his, his choices up to this point, um, he wouldn't have necessarily uh, been able to uh, turn over this new leaf and Boba and, and, and Cad Bane are kind of the opposite sides of the, the same coin, so to speak. Yeah. And a lot of their conversation there is, you know, Cad Bane kind of reflecting on that, uh, yeah. that path that Boba was on, um, the path that they were on together. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, they, he, like he, he grills them for, for being soft and being attached to these, yeah. to, to people. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and that's what, that's, that's what I wanted to talk about by the way. And the, okay. the, the last Jedi ness of it all, because star Wars really does have a history of the villain kind of telling the hero the exact opposite of what the main message of the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I saw some fans like pointing to this series and saying that like, oh, Boba Fett's gone soft and he's not whatever. It's just kind of like reminded me of The Last Jedi where people are like, oh, Ryan Johnson is telling Star Wars fans to let the past die and to burn it and to go get your VHS copy of Return of the Jedi and throw it in the bin. You know, it's <laughs> like, no, that's what the bad guy said like right unless you think ryan johnson is like saying the bad guy's right i that's weird like no it's the exact opposite of what kind of the main motif of the of the film or the in this case the series is to where 
Cad Bane says that he is, you know, he can't escape his past as a killer and that kind of relying on anyone else is, is a weakness of his. And that is the exact opposite message of what the story is, is that you, just because you have this dark past doesn't mean you can't have an opportunity to grow and to learn from that and to use others to, to do so and to make yourself stronger and not to isolate, uh, isolate yourself and that this connection and community is always going to, is always going to make you stronger and not, not weaker, but well, it's, it's almost Star Wars fans. If you want to, (laughs) you're right though. Like it's almost, it's almost funny where like Fennec is saying in, in episode four uh, or chapter four, um, Fennec says like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, your your time with the Tuscans has made you soft. And he says, yeah. actually, no. Uh, and then yeah. Cad Bane says, oh, your time with the Tuscans has made you soft. And he says, actually, right. no. Um, yeah. Having that from both pers- like both perspectives of, of, you know, one, the bad guy, uh, and two, the person that is still stuck in the way and is like, is, I guess, a little bit... Um, oblivious to the path that Boba Fett is now on and is learning and him saying, right. well, actually like, here's the lesson that I've learned and people still ignoring that and, and being like, what? That doesn't, that's so dumb. Like, yeah. Oy, caramba. That is, that's just frustrating. Yeah. And to uh, further emphasize on this point, in case you didn't quite get it, uh, Boba uses his gaffy stick to defeat Bane. So even though he is slower in a duel using his arm, relying on his armor and his weaponry to protect him, he uses a, a weapon that he forged with a community and is a sign of like solidarity and, and, and acceptance with your tribe. And he uses that to defeat Bane, which to me represents kind of him finally putting like the final blow in, or one of the final blows in kind of this past part of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what did you think of this moment where you, I mean, it's sad to see Cad Bane go, but do you think it was a fitting death or would you prefer to see a little bit more from him? I do think that it's a fitting death. Um, and even, uh, my brother had called me earlier today and was like, Oh, I just got the chance to watch the episode. Cause he's loving it so far. And he was like, I'm yeah. he was like, I'm so sad that, that Cad Bane is already gone. We barely got to see any of him. And I was like, Hey man, um, Watch the Clone Wars. There's <laughs> quite a lot of him in that. And yeah. he was like, yeah, but I mean, you know, and I was like, that's fine because, you know, for us, it's like he's been around so much and he's he's had such an impact. And this is kind of the, yeah. this is the poetic justice, so to speak, the the satisfying conclusion of, of yeah. obviously like taking into account the fact that it's pretty much headcanon that they had that duel um, in the past, it seems, and, yeah, it's pretty, pretty. He's got the little plate on his head and yeah. everything, and he has got it in the the Bad Batch as well. So I right. feel like it probably probably happened. so having yeah. having that like history between them be canon, and and especially saying yeah. with Cad Bane saying like one final lesson, um, and trying to trying to show Boba Fett that he's like, no, I've still got all the smarts, and Boba Fett saying no, not literally saying, but more metaphorically saying by stabbing him in the chest. Um, yeah. no, actually this is what I have learned. Um, mm-hmm. just really good stuff. And I think that Cad Bane serves that purpose 100% more than anybody else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, anybody who loves 
Cad Bane or loved what they saw of Cad Bane, and this is kind of their first introduction of him. And there's a lot of lot more, and uh, and uh, the Clone Wars probably even more coming with uh, the Bad Batch season two. Yeah. Uh, so there's plenty to dive on in there if you guys uh, haven't had a chance to watch Clone Wars or even Star Wars Rebels, because uh, there's uh, probably a lot more ties to the animated stuff coming on soon. And I know there's a lot of Star Wars fans that are like, eh, it's cartoons. I'm 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 good. Please give it, give it a go. Give it a girl. Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, don't, don't give up on it. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff. Some of my favorite, uh, Star Wars stuff in there. And I'm sure you would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. While this is happening, um, the Rancor is kind of going on a rampage and destroying the city in a very kind of King Kong kind of uh, fashion here. Very, And yes. I thought that this was a really interesting choice that it was surprising to me because I think you easily could have had, Boba just, you know, ride the Rancor, give it a good roar, and then that's the end of it, kind of Jurassic Park style. But the fact that this creature kind of goes on this rampage, I thought was a really fascinating choice. Uh, did you, were you able to like pick up on any kind of deeper meaning on this, or did you, well, yeah, uh, what, what were yeah. your kind of reaction to, the, to I this guess moment the, here? The idea there is um, without Boba Fett to kind of control him, the Rancor does what he's again bred to do they are bred for one thing they're bred to fight and not only that but they have a stereotype in the eyes of the townspeople that causes them to react in a way that would that would um cause it to become more aggressive they shoot at it and they are screaming and running away and whatever um Mm -hmm. which which gives the rancor cause to be like okay well i'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. He doesn't, you know, kill anybody. Um, yeah. but he's just destroying the town and people are like, okay, well, we're going to shoot at it. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to poke it and prod it. Um, yeah. and that's uh, immediately recognized as something that it's like, no, mm-hmm. that's making it worse. So having yeah. the rancor be away from Boba Fett and resorting to this one thing, because there's stereotypes there that influence it again, super parallel to Boba Fett's character where without those, without those influences of other people, um, then he would be resorting to whatever, right? He would be resorting back to bounty hunting if he didn't have that attachment yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it practically writes itself, you know? Sure. I think you also have the angle, uh, aside from the community aspect of it, but you have Boba who seems to kind of kill Cad Bane out of anger. And he seems like a, he's, you know, uh, kind of, receding back to that old kind of side of himself. And it makes sense that the Rancor kind of mirrors that. And I think mm-hmm. if, if we've established that the Rancor is pretty much Boba Fett, like that's kind of the yeah. thematic tie is they're kind of the same thing that this inner kind of monster and this stereotype is, is being let out. Uh, but the way that you're able to stop it is with, with compassion and community and understanding because Grogu eventually uses the force to kind of quiet the beast, which, you know, puts it to sleep. And so, yeah, I thought that this moment was kind of emblematic of, you know, yeah, the side of Boba is he's trying to repress, but it's not going to be fully gone and it's not going to be an easy process, but it's something that he can continue to work on and to try to become this new person. And he might've slipped a little bit here, killing Cad Bane, not on not only, you know, on behalf of himself, but also of the Tuscans too. Yeah. He didn't kill the Tuscans, but he poked the bear pretty, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to have, to have this moment kind of uh, reflect Boba, I thought was really nice. And also I just love when Star Wars, 
versus just big monsters. We got Godzilla, and now we have uh, Con- uh, King Kong. So <laughs> I was gonna say it was basically uh, is basically Pacific Rim uh, towards the end there. A little it's bit just there. Yeah, yeah. Big big robots fighting big big monsters. You know. Yeah. When the, the Rancor he like climbs to the top of this tower, and I was like, no, if he dies, I'm gonna be so sad. If big King Kong this guy, I'm gonna be so sad. There's gonna be little uh, biplanes flying yeah. around. And... Exactly. <laughs> thankfully, uh, he lives to see another day. Uh, so back on Mos Eisley, the Pikes are planning their escape, but not uh, not before Finnick is able to swoop in and swiftly snuff them all. Like she makes pretty quick work of all of them, get to kind of see the uh, master assassin side of her. Um, I don't know about you, but I would love to see more of that oh, kind of tackled yeah. in season two to see that kind of assassin side of her addressed in season two. I think that that would be great if we do, in fact, get a season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's a she's a good warrior, obviously. I mean, we've seen it in The Bad Batch, we've seen it in The Mandalorian, we've seen it here. She's a good warrior, yeah. but this, you know, this 10-second scene where she, like, takes out all these guys in a room without even being in the room for most of it yeah. is yeah. just awesome. That's great stuff. Yeah. So uh, after the battle, the people of Mos Espa are grateful to Fennec and to Fett as well and his the rest of the gang for uh, saving their city. Uh, they bow often and are showering them with gifts. Uh, Boba kind of says that they're not really uh, cut out for the sort of thing, which makes me, uh, you know, question the little post credit scene that we get here where Cobb Vanth is in the back to tank healing with his uh, uh, his battle wounds with Cad Bane with Thundercat on his side, mm-hmm. uh, which I was very happy to see is the final shot of the Book of Boba Fett is, is Thundercat's face. That was um, my last that. note uh, in my phone was all caps Thundercat. Uh, that was the Thunder last cat. note that he's, I took for the episode. He's thunder back. <laughs> uh, so it makes me think, you know, um, they say that they're not cut out for this sort of thing. Do you think that that's kind of alluding to the fact that they might not be the final success successor and that Cobb Vanth might eventually kind of take uh, over that role? What do you kind of take from this little post credit scene that we get here? Well, so I, I, the way that I was feeling about that was he says that and then it, as, as they finish up that kind of that bit, um, mm-hmm. they pan to see like black Kersantan and the mods and also the droid from the, uh, the palace in the flashback, the little, yeah, uh, I don't even remember what his name is. Little, um, little rabbit droid. Yeah. 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 Um, so they, he says that, you know, he's like, I don't know if we're quite cut out for this and then mm-hmm. pans to them makes me kind of feel like it's more of a, maybe they're not cut out for the you know, being the sole faces of this thing. And it's like, okay, we need to make this into a more, uh, not necessarily democratic, but maybe bureaucratic instead of, instead of a, uh, like hierarchical, you know, monarchy of, you know, the daimyo and, you know, whatever, um, to have more people be the ones that are in charge of something like this. That's kind of how I took it because I don't want to, be speculating and be like, okay, well now are we going to get a season two? And you know, is he just going to leave and do something else? Like, I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be speculating on that for so long that I get, you know, that I get tired of being like, okay, well, where's this even going to be headed? You know? Yeah. I think it leaves the door uh, open enough to like who will be the final successor. I think Bob is probably going to have it for a little bit. Otherwise I'd be like, you just, you just got the job. Like you're giving it up already. You just got it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do anticipate Cobb Vanth or someone kind of being, uh, set up to be the next leader. Cause, uh, you know, Cobb has kind of proven himself in Freetown. He's, 
he's really uh, liberated that village a couple of times and uh, you know that he's able to stand his own ground and we we saw with the spice that he is kind of incorruptible you know and, yeah. and someone that seems like they would uh, rule with uh, with a real emphasis on on community and and uh, their tribe so uh, high hopes for Cobb Vanth I'm excited to see his uh, his election campaign <laughs> I'm also excited to see what kind of mod he gets um, whether it's going to be like Ooh a new arm or a new shoulder or something. I don't I'd know. It's going to be exciting. Anything to get more Funko pops for Cobb Vanth. I am here for it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, of course we're going to uh, offer more of our in-depth thoughts on the rest of this season, but we're going to do so next week. Uh, we will be joined by Alex and Molly Damon over from star Wars explained. Uh, very excited to talk to them. Uh, and we're going to be talking about our entire in-depth thoughts on season one of the show. We're not going to be going episode by episode, uh, but more just talking in generalities. Uh, you guys have heard uh, from us plenty on what we think of this show, so I'm excited to get kind of an outside perspective. Uh, Noah, I'm very uh, excited to see Alex and Molly. They're going to be joining us. We're going to have a fun time next week. Yeah, this is going to be it's going to be really fun just to get kind of instead of like breaking down, you know, what's happening and what is it, blah blah blah. Let's just mm -hmm. jump into opinions, right? And we'll yeah. have a, a good discussion as Star Wars fans yeah. instead of just parroting things that we see on Twitter that other people uh, decide that they absolutely need to say. Because I don't I'm know. We're going to be talking about Space Vespas for probably a good 90 minutes, I think. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. You, that would be great is to like our conversation is dictated by whatever took up Twitter the most, you know? <laughs> so we have to spend like 65% of the show talking about space Vespas. And then the other 35% talking about that one guy spinning. It's just the spin <laughs> move. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Noah, is there any other thoughts that you have uh, for the season finale of the book of Boba Fett? Um, none that I can think of. No. Alrighty. Well, you go ahead and wrap it up and take us All home right. until next week. Until next week, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. See you next time. See you guys.